What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so today was a fun one. It was actually probably one of the more enjoyable episodes I've done for myself. Purely for myself. Because I wasn't standing on ceremony. I tried, I mixed it all up. I tried a whole new structure for the podcast. We're sitting on couches. We're just in my living room chatting, chilling. And... It, it it turned out it, I'm pretty happy with it like I really enjoyed putting this podcast together I thought it was fun Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky Lucky? In line at the deli I guess Aha in my dentist's office more than once actually Do I have to say? Yes you do In the car before my kids PTA meeting Really? Yes Excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky I never win and tell well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And the main reason kind of behind that was like, first and foremost, this dude's my friend. But, uh, mm, mm, first and foremost, this dude's a test tube, baby. This dude's a science experiment. Mm, he's an amalgamation of what you, when you put smart things together, you get this kind of blob. Real, real sharp dude. And he's younger than me too. I met him in college. And you'll, you'll, uh, you'll see pretty quickly why I knew there was something different about him. His name is Oshin, and Oshin doesn't give a bollocks. Oshin is as true to his personality as anyone I've ever come across. And as a result, if you can roll with it, he is so much fun. He will talk to you about anything. And he won't just fluff his way through you. He just seems to have facts and knowledge and a reference for someone who said something in relation to what you're talking about all the time. And the the, the birth of our relationship was like, I had a fascination with poking him and finding out like what sort of information did he have on this and what sort of information did he have on that. And I'm going to catch him out at some stage. And I used to just enjoy listening to him speak because he's so eloquent he's he's got this vocabulary that's just oh he's extremely loquacious she like that one actually and I, I got that from harry potter and he just sort of flows along with this sequence of thoughts that i couldn't dream of ever stringing together and so a lot of it is like me in the corner saying random things that don't make any sense stumbling over my words versus who has to stoop to my level just to interpretate the child language that I'm speaking before retaliating with some beautifully constructed sentence of logic and reasoning. I had originally brought him on as like a counterbalance 
to the religious people I've had on in order to sort of, you know, bring equilibrium to the channel. And so I text him after the Paul podcast went out and I said, bro, I want you to watch the podcast and put together arguments and bring you on and you can be the alternative voice. And he's so intellectual that he he's always has this ability to verbalize the sort of thoughts you have in your head. And I knew people who didn't like religion were going to love him. So I was like, golden opportunity to bring him on. So Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I sent the text. He receives it. And goes, no problem. I'll do that. And within a couple of hours, he, he was already sending me these paragraphs of this, 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 this. And I was like, okay, brilliant. I was going to leave Oshin do that and I'll bring him on in a few weeks and we'll, we'll roll it up from there. But that didn't happen. So like a lot of things in my life, I tend to have conversations with people in my mind that never come into reality and then I make decisions based off conversations that didn't actually have. And so I restructured the entire reason I was bringing them on in my own world that I was bringing them on to be able to experiment with this more laid back, easy system of a podcast where it's just a little bit more comfortable but of course I didn't inform Oshin of that so what occurred wasn't exactly how either of us had planned it but it turned out very funny and it turned out quite enjoyable so I rolled with it it's a little raw in places some people may even get a little bit pissy at it but this was a conversation between two mates this was this is two friends sitting down in someone's living room chatting that's what this is and it just it was just caught on camera we're both in a real relaxed setting. Like I, I'm sitting in my own living room having a conversation with somebody. And that's, I think, why it was so enjoyable. So I hope you get as much entertainment out of it as I did. This one might get me cancelled though. If anyone's going to get me cancelled, it's going to be this one. Nevertheless, we shall progress. Nevertheless, we shall progress. Hmm. Nice. You see as well, kind of, there's like kind of two parts to it. Where the camera switches over to the different setting. The next seg, that sort of part two begins in the middle of a conversation. You'll get the knack of it pretty quick. But Russian's had his own experiences with like with mental mishaps and and he's been super open with it. He took on all the advice that you should take on and experimented with it and he, he worked his way through it and analyzed the different methods he took and, and a lot of people are gonna recognise the circumstance that he was in and the and the and the drugs that he had to take and all the rest that came around it. And I wasn't gonna include it. It was personal information. I had hit play and sat back down and the conversation just kind of kept flowing. So I was just, I'll leave it flowing. I'll just edit it out. But he was adamant. He goes, no, you can leave it in there, man. I'm happy for it to be there. And that can, that's a mark of his character is the fact that, is that he's up front with you and he is what you get. And I respect him for that because like, there's some personal information he talks about in there too. And he wants people to hear it because you see, this is the thing is that because he's gone through the valley of death, now he's the one that's able to sort of at least provide insights to what he experienced and to maybe be able to help other people along it too. Please hit that like button, that subscribe button, and share the channel. Talk to people. Bring people together. Make this grow. Ramble Land, 
episode 13 with Pushing Peters. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Want. Isn't that the whole point of this? I don't know what the whole point is. Should we get plastered before we do this so that our filters are uh, are destroyed? I don't have a filter, I've noticed. Yeah, I know. Uh, I typically don't. No, I had a guest who uh, who did get on to me about... Um, he, got, he texted me before we were scheduled to begin. And he goes, uh, hey bro, is it cool if I... Is it cool if I bring a few, a few beers? And uh, you know, I think he said, "Is it cool if I bring a bit of drink or something?" He didn't, he didn't specify on what type of drink. You're using an American accent. Is that intentional? No, when I'm kind of telling stories, I kind of fluctuate between the different accents. And I typically you, knows that you do it to uh, associate with annoying personalities. <laughs> you use an American accent. Do you realize you do that? Because <laughs> no. you do every time. Whenever you want to tell a story about an annoying person, you use an American accent. Or you were telling me about that person that was in your queue. That uh, you were trying to get out because there was too many people. You were using an American. No, I wasn't. Yeah, you were. <laughs> was I? Yeah, yeah. Some ingrained disdain for the. American That's what people. you call racism. That's that subconscious America's racism. America's not a race, Hitler. <laughs> they carry on like they're a race. Yeah. A race of blackguards. No, I had um. Yeah, a race no, of I... bloody Egypts. <laughs> That's in... That's British, but Egypt. Well, British is or Egypt is Irish, but like bloody Egypt. Oh yeah, okay. No, bloody Egypt. Bloody idiot. Would be. I said bloody fool. What was that supposed to be? I don't know. Uh, it was meant to be like a thick Irish farmer accent. Sounded a little twang of Mumbai. Yeah. You bloody of, fool. Yeah, it did a bit. Kind of Apu. <laughs> you know they replaced Apu. Yeah, because he's not actually Indian. Yeah, come on. Yeah. I mean, the the whole point of the show though, is the entire cast was made up of like five people you know each car- each uh, actor played multiple multiple characters and it was meant to be just an expression of their incredible artistry you know the guy who plays Mo plays Burns ah stop yeah completely different voices you'd never know but there you go there was uh, and I think he does a poo actually no there was some hey. other there was some other person now has had to step down from voice acting a character that they aren't the embodiment of I um, doubt this is what you're referring to but there was a bit of controversy around that uh, around My Hero Academia yeah. uh, but it was funny because the idea was that a lot of people were coming on and being like oh why didn't you get a black character to voice the black character it was a black woman 
that was voicing the character no way that they were giving out because the voice sounds too white is what they were like saying like oh why'd you get a white character and, and then the voice actor came out and was like excuse me <laughs> and all these people that were obviously getting up on their high moral horses to be like yeah I'm supporting the you know the socially conscious choice and then they were ad- advocating for a, a, you know, the black actress to get the fuck out of there get a blacker voice is that not more racist that is more racist they want a blacker voice what do they want him to come on and be like where's my fried chicken motherfucker <laughs> you know like a really poor Samuel L. Jackson impersonation <laughs> There's no, there's another show though that someone else said. So name the, the big shows. It could have been a poo that I saw. Name the big shows. That, That's the, so vague. What do you want in in animation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That have uh, Futurama. No. Uh, South Park. They had to get rid of Chef, but that was because he was a Scientologist, and he was the only uh, black character, I think. Or like there, there's some black characters in the show that are real people. Like they have a Morgan Freeman character, but as far as original South Park characters, I think it was just Chef. And they had to get rid of him because he was a Scientologist. The, the voice actor was yeah, a Scientologist. Yeah, yeah. But then they did an episode. Why is that a problem? Uh, he, he, it was a problem for him. Oh. He was like, I can't do it. It's, it's against my beliefs or whatever. He, he found it too crude now. Uh, he obviously didn't start off when he joined South Park as a no, 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 no. He was just a normal guy. And he converted to Scientology. Yeah. He went fucking nuts. Uh, but you know um, they did then an episode after he left. And the way that they got rid of the character of Chef was that he joined Scientology. In typical South Park fashion, you know. And that was his send-off. Yeah. And that's why he's not allowed to cook at the school anymore. Oh, well, that, I, I guess so. I don't yeah. know. I, I, I'm not... Uh, I've seen maybe five episodes of South Park. I know it's this thing I should kind of get on, but to be honest, I'm not a big fan of crude humour. Even when it's done well, even when there's some nuance to it, I just... You just made a black fried chicken that's joke. not crude. That's, that's offensive. Crude. <laughs> crude, crude, like gross-out humour, you know? And South Park is rife with that. You know, people shitting in other people's mouths and all that kind of crap. That's not really in it. Uh, it probably is. You've got uh, one, one two Canadians remember, who fart in each other's faces one, remember, all the time. one episode I remember distinctly is uh, people were getting high from licking cat anuses. That's, <laughs> and there's, there's a character who's a sentient piece of shit that delivers presents to children. Chris, the hanky, the Christmas poo. Mr. Hanky. Oh yeah, Mr. Hanky yeah. the Christmas food. He's a sentient turd. We need Tom for this conversation. Tom would... Big South Park guy. Oh, massive. Sure, he invited to his place uh, that one time to watch that new South Park episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was about... That was about people stealing famous people's shit to shove up their own colons. You're telling me South Park isn't crude <laughs> and gross out humour. I didn't even notice, like... I don't notice half the time, man. To it, man. Yeah, I probably am. And so like American Pie do you remember American Pie? Uh, I wasn't allowed to watch it such a piece of shit wasn't allowed to watch it that's the only reason people did watch it because they weren't allowed to watch it <laughs> it was kids like it was a college movie no, nobody who's in college watches college movies Judy was boring hello then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com it's my little escape now Judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy Judy <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know? Other than the college stoner movies. Like Mac and Dem go to high school. Well, not such a college movie. 21 Jump Street. 
again that's already a yeah, stoner it's not a yeah and it's also again high school yeah yeah gotcha fucking gotcha you prick trying to make me look foolish I'm going to take over give me a minute I'm going to come up with a co- like, what, would, what, what do you call a college movie a, a movie that's centred around people in college okay that was kind of fairly uh, yeah. self explanatory what, what do you think it was going to mean movies about space exploration <laughs> that's what I fucking mean by a college story it was weird I uh, <clears throat> I remember when I first realised what coming of age meant like it's it's behind you it's further back again back again yeah I didn't realise that coming of age meant coming of sexual maturity or huh? the essence when you when you hear the phrase coming of age maybe. yeah it just means maturing I don't think it means in, a, in an explicitly sexual manner I hope it doesn't because well a lot part of, times... of maturing is, is puberty and sexual awareness oh yes yeah, sexual maturation yeah maturation yeah that works maturation in uh, in a biological capacity but not so much in I've lost my virginity sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that what yeah. you're... Yeah, that's what I'm trying referring? to get at. Like, yeah. I don't think it does. No? Because a lot of movies that are described as coming-of-age movies, they're very tame, and they often revolve around a kid. Yeah, but that's know. the whole idea, the innocence of childhood being transitioned into the more... Yeah, but they don't then fuck other kids. No, but no one's talking about shagging kids. I asked you, was that what you were inferring? And you said, yes, that's what I'm getting at. Oh, I misunderstood you. I thought you meant... Um... Crank up that 2%, Tim. <laughs> Give me 100. This isn't recording now, is it? It is, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the podcast? Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to smooth our way into it. Like... Oh, this is so shit. No, no, no. This no, is no. the podcast. No, oh, this is fine. You see, you've already loosened up, you see. Oh, I'm loose as all hell. No, because you were... It's a good thing that I didn't eat too much, because... I'm... No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> this is recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and your, your racist comments in it there, too. Ah, they were. Give me fried chicken! Oh yeah, delete that. Do I we insist have to? upon. I'm going to on multiple occasions throughout this podcast. I'm going to insist that you cut out sections. And I'm going to literally keep those in. But that's actually going to be. Sorry, in, that's, to... <laughs> that's going to be in the intro. Is every section you ask me to cut? I'm just going to right in the middle. You can compile it as like the clips, uh, the ramble and clips. Clips. Oh yeah, the, with the you know, title. You, yeah, you. you the the ones Gushing didn't want me to. To show. Don't say my name. My name means nothing. Your name means everything, bro. It's the most beautiful sound a person can hear is the sound of their like own name. Tiernanog. That's that's what it's derived from. Uh, I don't like Washington, it. I, I don't like Washington. Washington. It's too Irish, I think. What's wrong with that? In France, it's pronounced as Wazin. Because the OI makes a what sound. <laughs> so uh, all my French relatives, they can't say my name. They call you Wazin. 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 <laughs> Like hoisin sauce. Yeah. Or oh, where was he? Yeah, he was in there. Oh, look, then they'll speak French. <laughs> was he in? Uh, il est où, was he in? What does that mean? Where is Oshin? Yeah. That's simple. That's secondary school stuff, Tim. Come on. I didn't do French in school. Did you? What I don't you know. Spanish. We didn't have Spanish as an option. We had it in transition. Well, we technically was the point. had Spanish as an option, but whether Spanish was actually taught. That's up for debate. Man, we had the worst Spanish teacher you could ever imagine. This little umpa lumpa. <coughs> With this thick, caked orange makeup. She smelt of cat piss. She used to have this belly she used to contain with this like four inch belt. <laughs> Buckle alone looked like it. Like a miniature corset. It was a genuine belt. 
but she's kind of sure. and she kind of fall into it it was and it was you, like you need a you need a wider corset because the problem is if you just get the the slim corset it's just going to fold around it she wouldn't fit in the corset you're going to absorb it there's in. no corset big enough to fit this woman it's like those people that are like so fat that they find a couple years later like a cat in in their body <laughs> that didn't happen it's happened no it has not it has happened shut up like, like I'm talking about these Jabba the Hutt style uh, people that have just gone to such the point where they literally can't get out of bed and they usually have the problem is that they usually have these sycophantic uh, partners that are like weedy and skinny and they just have this weird fetish about uh, obese people and so they just feed them and feed them and feed them you know, they're not living a life anymore but know. that cat story could be just a true. receptacle for well yeah they had like a pet cat and the pet cat like just got crushed and then then it just got but lost. she definitely felt that getting crushed how could you there's still nerve endings i think in the skin like just because you're surely, mega fat doesn't mean you don't feel stuff yeah but surely when you get to that point where it's uh, been stretched out it probably dulls it to a good extent i'd imagine i don't know i don't know either good question this is just on one of these things it was like uh, my 500 pound life you know those shows and they have that yeah it was, it was just one of those things where like some woman killed her cat by accident <laughs> uh, uh, I was exaggerating the idea that she like found it a couple of years later it's just, it's just for comedic effect uh, those shows that look at those kind of poor people man are, uh, there's always an aspect like what you, we were saying earlier about whether the interviewer interviewee is actually the most or the least important person in this in this scenario again are you raising awareness by videoing these fat oh, people or are you there really are getting no, entertainment uh, out of their uh, benevolent uh, intentions behind those shows those shows are just you know they're they're for vicarious thrills from people that feel they're unhealthy and then go and watch those shows and be like look at that fat piece of shit it's for people that are that aren't very healthy to have someone as like a receptacle for their uh, you know to put their sort of self I won't say hate. Self hate is too strong a word. It was definitely Self, an easy uh, one. Deprecation. They just uh, they look at them and go, "Well, at least I'm not as fat as that person." Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's what I'm making. <laughs> All right, we'll we get into this now. So, well, what do you want to get into? Uh, the podcast. We're in the podcast, bro. This, this is the podcast. I feel like we should have a definitive starting point. We had a definitive starting point. Because all of this has been mindless chatter. And see, now the problem is now is that legitimately, now that we're talking about it, this right now, that back then, that could have been fine. This right now, this is bad audio. What's wrong with the audio? Us, no, no, I mean like us talking about... Fat people. No, 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 us talking about the idea that this is bad audio is bad audio. Us de- debating whether or not this is... No, 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 no. The podcast. podcast is more natural. This is the natural vibe I'm going for. Yeah, this is just a recorded... I don't think I'm just going to want to listen to this. Oh, man. I don't think anyone wants to listen to a conversation when people are capable of having their own conversations. Bro, when it's an interview. Man, YouTube is full of it. The sidemen literally are paid millions of pounds do. per vi- the sidemen. Um, do you not know sidemen? Oh, I'm delighted you don't know sidemen. Finally, no, someone else who doesn't know sidemen. Oh, we're looking at the camera now, are we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a, this, the certain people now are going to see this and they're going to know who I'm looking at. But, yeah, sidemen, English. non-musical boy band does that get across what I'm what they are the non-musical part is a bit confusing yeah 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 so boy band is like the anything I'm going for but they're not musicians or anything. like the entourage there we go entourage perfect 
So like they were originally gamers and they're from a few different sort of most YouTubers usually are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gaming and, and controversial politics. Those are the definitely two things not you politics. Need. They never stepped into politics. Just no, gaming. no, no. I'm saying these are the two things you need to make a following. People like to frame mm. this narrative: controversial political YouTubers. They like to frame this narrative of being like YouTube's trying to cancel me and people are trying to stop me. Mm. And then at the very end, they'll be like, "Anyways, go onto my Patreon." Yeah, you know? and and it, it it gets all these people that like to think they're like the main character in a fucking uh, James or uh, James Orwell George, George Orwell novel, you know, like they're the they're the last free thinker in some dystopian future, and they're like, I gotta support this bullshit, you know, and then so they'll pump money into this asshole who's just feeding into this insecurity that you're not actually existing in some dystopian future where you're being uh, you know mistreated, you're just living a fucking life. This is human life. The human condition is causing your suffering, not, uh, you know, some guy talking about how he identifies as a as a fucking pig or whatever. So back to Sidemen, they. Uh... Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, go on. Like, and so yeah, just you gamers, YouTubers came together. Blender all, bottle, delicious. Oh, there, boys. In product placement. He's mm. he's he's ruining. What he's like that's unpaid. No. Yeah, but it's a good product. What brand is it? A blender bottle. Are they a brand in themselves? Um, that's all that it says on it. Just blender bottle. Did you get that in little? Uh, my mother got it for Christmas. Because I needed a bottle. Didn't have one. Nice. Yeah, Simon. Group of boys come together. They just muck around. That's all they do. They just muck around. Now, content's very clever. Very high production value, to be fair. Incredibly Blocks, high. For want of a better word, yeah, blogs. Blog, yeah. And literally, their content is nothing special. It's brain dead, right? It's absolutely brain dead. I don't watch it. And I, I, I slag my housemates who do. They're well into it. Like, whatever. And I can understand the entertainment value for it as well. Because as I said, the concepts are quite clever for a lot of them. Like, they do this live Tinder-esque sort of staged thing where they bring in girls and... The fellas stand up and they hit them with their best shot up line. That is and the girls so demoralizing. Yeah, man, it's crazy. Like, but, but I mean, if you ever wanted to see, like, I haven't even seen it, but I guarantee you, a big appeal is just seeing a man's confidence be immediately shattered. The difference is, though, you love the sidemen, you see, and it's all Core in this cast. sort of this sort of facade of banter. And even if he gets shot down, it's it is very funny. Because yeah, for you. No, no, for them too. All the boys are laughing. It's it's their group of buddies. Shot down, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're all pissing themselves laughing because oh, you the, see they're on aiming. The inside man. What? On the inside. No, 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 It's all no. It's all it's all part of it. Like, okay. um, and but as to going back to what you're saying, that no one wants to watch this. The fact is that people will watch anything if it's there, genuinely. Now we can get into it. We can have a structured beginning, and, and we can have a launch platform. And I can knock off all the earlier bits and pieces. I may take a snippet or two out of it because I thought someone was kind of funny. But on a genuine note, as a starting point, you can create absolute horrible viewing and it will get watched if it's on YouTube. Yeah, YouTube is a cesspit. I agree. Yeah. That's the point you're making. Right? Anything there. YouTube's a cesspit. Pour it into it. YouTube with, is, the, with some uh, gems. is the runoff from... Uh, on unpiloted TV shows like TV shows that couldn't even get a pilot you know or yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they're trying to trying to get up and running people that uh, don't have the talent to be real celebrities to be real artists oh, YouTube what are you saying Oshin you know spit it out boy 
you untalented fuck. <laughs> you uncultured swine. Why did I bring you on again? Um, because you, you know, I give that good dick. There you go. Is that good? That's good content, is it? <laughs> That's something you're going to cut out a little snippet. No, nah, that'll be the title of the entire podcast. Yeah, yeah. I say I don't have a name. It's just good dick. Good man. dick. Good yeah. dick, man. <laughs> Watch your watch the response on on media blow up for you. Who's that good dick man? Surely YouTube's got to have some sort of uh, content shut down if you labeled. Ah, we'll just put, we'll put a star oh, in yeah, the middle of it. Little, like, yeah, yeah, a then it's a different word. I prefer shows and I prefer media that actually bleeps the swear words because I think it's funnier. I think it's funnier because you can always tell what it is. It's like fuck, you know, like that. That's fuck. You hear fuck when people go fuck. You know, fuck, be, you know, I can't do it when I'm out. Obviously, that would be impossible. But I think it's way funnier because you can do these jokes that are premised around the idea of uh, they're saying something so horrible, but we're bleeping it. And then you have characters look at it and be like, you know, they're in shock at the thing. Arrested Development did a really good one where the character Buster. You know Arrested Development? No, I've never watched heard it. Of it. I've seen it, yeah. And I've, I've seen the ad for it on Netflix. I've never watched yeah, it. then Netflix took it up. They did their own. They revitalized it after it had been gone for like 12 years. Oh, it's an old show. It was an old show for the first three seasons which are near flawless okay mm. and then the problem is they revitalized it after 12 years but the people that had written it they're, they've changed they're completely different people now it was 12 years ago they can't write the same it's not that they're bad they've uh, moved on like, but they, mentally they can't replicate and that's yeah, what they were trying yeah. to do it was made by the same people but they were trying to replicate their old sense of humour their own style and they couldn't do it because it evolved past it yeah. well evolved devolved you know in an artistic sense it's all ultimately relative beyond you know like it's as subjective as it could be well it's the same with people who get into stocks like the the word is that like you've got like 20 or 30 or so years yeah. where you're you're going to be really useful in stocks but you actually age out it's a thing that that relates to to current trends and to whatever's going on in the market and the way the economy is progressing and there actually is a point where even if you really like Warren Buffett's one of the few boys who even in his old age has managed to stay relevant but that's because he's got so many people around him who are able to keep yeah, him relevant not, he's not investing is he he's oh he's still had, investing no, no no but I mean like he as himself probably not yeah he's just paid people to be like hey make the, good use of this money yeah yeah yeah. yeah he's investing in investors perhaps yeah um, but it's the same I suppose with like creators and stuff is the the mindset the whole environment the, the way society influence you to create that the comedy or the production whatever you produced mm. has changed and to be able to step back into that world you're missing a whole well, and they took 12 years away from it yeah, yeah you know yeah. I mean you look at a guy like Larry David mm. Larry David has such a distinct style of comedy and he's managed to if anything improve it with time the man's 77 years old mm. and he just released season 10 of Curb Your Enthusiasm came out very recently mm. I think it's one of the best seasons come out I've never watched it I only know the theme tune because it kept getting used dun, in memes dun, dun. yeah it's a, it's a I don't know if it's because of it's association with the meme but no other musical track so succinctly captures such a specific and un uh, you know uncommon emotion you know the Curb Your Enthusiasm it's taken on a life of its own and that is associates with these moments that we can all sort of picture Recognize, in our minds and we yeah. have anecdotes that revolve around them the fact that it's able to capture that feeling in the song you know it is pretty cool the way so it's I presume it's the association that people have made to it but it doesn't matter it's, it's the fact that it signals that like a Pavlovian response for cringe you know it's good what's Pavlovian 
Pavlovian response. Yeah. Uh, Pavlov was a guy who uh, worked with. Um, he was a neuroscientist, and he did this experiment with dogs, where he would ring a bell, and then he would feed them. Uh-huh. And then he would do this for a while, and then it got to the point where he'd ring a bell, and they would start slobbering, because they'd made the connection between the bell the and food. the food. And uh, a Pavlovian response to something would be say. Say. Uh, you uh, uh, you only ever get visited by your girlfriend, right? Mm. Again, this is crass. <laughs> I don't like the crassness of it. <laughs> but let's say if um, you get your girlfriend, okay, and then whenever so- <laughs> I see where this is going. Yeah, so then, uh, so then, whenever the the doorbell rings, you get a boner, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would yeah. be a, the a Pavlovian response. Would be a stimulus, uh, any sort of somatic, so- yeah. somatic stimulus, and it would uh, produce a physiological response. Why was I talking about that? Uh, Kirby enthusiasm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sort of Hearing that sound, it makes you kind of, oh, you know, it makes you go that, oh, kind of cringe, like, oh, but in a, <laughs> in a kind of, Playful in a pleasurable way, way yeah, because yeah, it's yeah. usually people that, like, uh, they've gotten their comeuppance, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. In some way have deserved. Almost like uh, a, a, social a comical comeuppance. karma. Yeah. Let's go, let's go. Right, we'll, we'll see if we can put a bit of structure on it. So. Sure. I thought the idea was when you pitched this to me initially, you wanted to do uh, one yeah, on religion. It was. Yeah. And the idea and would be that I thought what we were going to do is that each of these, that we'd do a couple of these over time. Yeah. And then each of these would be centered around a specific topic. Yeah, there was a big aspect of that, all right, that I was planning to do. Um, and then I just wanted to try and, when we sat down today, we were already talking when I was pressing record, and I just wanted to let it slide because sometimes I didn't so as I was talking to you about the, the guest who changed once the camera came on I was trying to circumnavigate that and see you if want, I you could want to call him out on camera no no <laughs> and yeah I wanted to see if I could circumnavigate that without being like okay right cameras are on now right come on let's so today we have Oshin and Wuxin is going to talk about Wuxin. Wuxin is going to talk about fuzzy wuzzy bears, and I was so I was just trying to see what happened, but I understand that I, I get that. But the problem is, is that I'm not making an effort to entertain anyone but you, mm-hmm. and you got to understand that you can't look at this as a as a way to facilitate personal entertainment. <sighs> you Isn't... have to acknowledge that what's entertaining to you and what's entertaining to you in the moment, even if. Let's say if you were to take someone that was listening to this, if you were to transpose them into your position, they may enjoy this conversation a lot more because they're able to actively engage with it. But when you're listening to it, when you have all of this fucking media to filter through, all of these different things that are vying for your time, why the fuck would you listen to this, you know? When all it is is just mindless conversation that you more than likely have had some variation of your in your own life. Again, I'll throw it to you, Sidemen. They're literally just boys yeah, that are mocking around. Above that? What? Weren't you slagging them off? Don't you want to be above I that? I was slagging them off. That is true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fair. And yeah, yeah that's very, a, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. At the very least, this kind of conversation is fine so long as it's interspersed with some sort of topic that people can grasp onto, some sort of structure. Well, I thought we would have fallen into that naturally because that's where our conversations go anywhere. We literally, well, I'll sit down beside you in a class, and. Well, Oshin, how was your night? Yeah, mm-hmm. but then what's and the class? Well, the class is irrelevant. Me oh. and you would end up in a, in a conversation that is just way too intense that came from nowhere. 
Yeah, and so I see, thought we may fall into that naturally anyway. We would have, and we might now that it's been brought up. But the thing is, is that, honestly, I, I, I still very much doubt this is going to make it into the podcast. Because it's, like I said, it's... it's well, this will. It's preamble. This might. This will. But yeah. this is preamble, you know? Yeah, It's yeah. that sort of banter. You know where you'll see in some shows, they'll fade into the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's that kind of stuff where what came before it is irrelevant. It's just meant to establish a assumed rapport on the audience behalf mm. between the interviewer and interviewee you know it's like oh look at that they were talking before they're friendly you know mm. uh, and it, it for, for stuff like this that is a lot more free form and a lot more laid back that's vital you need your audience to feel comfortable and mm. you need them to feel comfortable by association being that we have to feel comfortable yeah yeah we have yeah. to feel comfortable with each other you know like yeah. we, we've known each other for what like almost two and a half years now yeah it's, it's a lot shorter than I always thought I remember we were saying was it, we were saying it on the phone the other day was it there was only that long. I was well, like, oh, nearly four years now. Well, because we met each other four years ago, but we didn't really uh, Hang talk. Out. Yeah. Uh, you were really, partly my fault. Yeah. Yeah. You, you I didn't really go to class. Yeah. And uh, when you did, you just gave out about what the lecturer was saying. You just argued. I don't think I did. You argued a lot. Yeah, but that was the point. I actually think we bonded it's over the fact science. you made another girl. She didn't cry, but do you remember what? in in one of the seminars? Shit, I hope I didn't do that. You did, yeah, yeah, yeah. You shout all over, like, over something she said. You were just like... And you didn't even mean it. And I was in stitches sitting beside you. Because you were like, well, that was, that's just ridiculous. And then you just... Oh, you nailed it to the wall. Over, so I can't even remember what the topic was. And I remember, like... Whoa! This boy doesn't play around. That, that, that story is framing me in one of two ways. One, as an uncaring <laughs> asshole. Two, as an autistic... Uh, uh, overly intellectualized person, right? Now that you bring up autism, Ocean, have you ever been tested? My teachers in primary school <laughs> uh, actually, actually, was like they were onto my mother being like, um, "Oh, he is ADHD and he is ADD and he is uh, difficultly learning. He is, you know, dyslexia, all this kind of bullshit." Yeah, yeah. And uh, thank God, my mother just went like, "Shut up, shut the fuck up." I'm taking him to a different school. <laughs> so I did. We went to a different school. Serious. And it's why that I'm actually a lot younger than a lot of the people in my year because the, uh, the new school you dropped into was. I I I jumped into the year above me because the year before was apparently full. Mm. So I went. I, I at third year in primary school. No, not third class. Rather, third class in primary school. We left, and I went right into fourth class. So they never tested you for autism. <laughs> no. <sighs> There's always a few that slip through the cracks. I have an cracks. autistic cousin. But I have an autistic cousin who, um, he's on the level of autism whereby his capacity to self-identify as autistic has been divested of yeah. uh, from his character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a shitty way to say that. He's been divested of the capacity to to self-identify. That would have been a much better way to phrase him. So does it, so does he just? He's one of those autistic people who like. He'll say anything. You, no, no, no. If you touch him, he screams. Okay. You know, yeah, he, yeah. he's on the level of autism where he literally can't function. It's mm. sad to see, particularly because of the of the toll it takes on the parents. Yeah, they their life is more or less non-existent outside. Yeah, of, uh, caretaking more, more. Well, there's a new life. They, it's it's an it's an involuntary acceptance of a new life, whereby you just have to take on this new responsibility and just do the best you can with it. And like that's it's the same with anyone who has a special needs kid. Like your life, it's not that you have no life anymore. It's you you have to either take on a new life. Or hate yourself for the rest of your life. Yeah, I mean, I most I, people do transition over. Like, I respect the hell out of it, but yeah, honestly, 
I, I don't I don't think you know you know the way where the, like uh, one of the arguments for um, uh, pro life mm. uh, is this idea that if uh, people are able to abort their babies and uh, coupled with the fact that we can now tell prenatally mm-hmm. um, what a baby you know any sort of deficiencies the baby's going to have mm-hmm. well then people are going to abort Down syndrome babies and mm-hmm. stuff like this I don't like to admit it but I, I don't think if I if I was told your baby is going to be you know whatever I probably would take that. That's a pro-choice argument, so. Yes. You said pro-life. But I'm not arguing from. Hmm? You said uh, one of the pro-life arguments is that. No, no. One of the pro-life arguments is that this is. Well, yeah. Oh, but, this, that this is a. a yeah, 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 yeah. And I look at it. And don't get me wrong. Just because I would do it, I'm looking. I'm like, okay, that, it's there's some moral qualms that I would mm. have with it, mm. but I know that I would more than likely avail of that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, again, I'm fucking twenty what the fuck do I know mm. by the time that I get to the point where hopefully by the time I get to the point where I have a kid uh, I'm going to be a bit more mature you know you should be able to hold hands with a girl first you know that right oh but they got cooties <laughs> cooties gross so there's probably not a bad place to do, to do to put a platform on it so I did want to bring you on in response to the Paul episode to give a balance because I've had a good feeling I didn't, I didn't watch all of it by the way Give you one job. I give you one job coming here. But I mean, I remember I made the argument to you, you that I shouldn't job. watch it because ultimately, that was coming from such a specific perspective, being uh, yeah, biblical, that's it. Uh, yeah. not biblical, uh, Christian apologetics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know anything about Christian apologetics, and ultimately, what I could have learned from the episode, if I was just come on and debate that, it would just be a regurgitation of his points. Yeah. So it wasn't. If I was to, oh yeah, so that 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 might be a good point to start off. My. Uh, sort of authority on the subject I'm going to look at the camera because it's, I'm not talking I'm talking to the audience because you already know this my authority on the subject it's weird now <laughs> yeah it is weird don't <laughs> look at the camera I'm man I'm going to look at you <laughs> render uh, it, it's uh, my authority on the subject is going to be largely uh, regarding the philosophical <laughs> of it because as far as uh, biblical uh, history and the actual more structural elements of Christianity and more organized religions. Yeah, yeah. A lot of that I'm not very well versed in. Yeah. I can, sorry, I bumped the microphone. Uh, I, I more, I've just read a lot. I've read a, a not a considerable amount yeah. of uh, religious philosophy. So that is all I can really argue from. Yeah. And of course, I can argue from the perspective of my own beliefs, which is to state officially. <laughs> uh, it, don't look at the camera man that black hole of misery will suck you in it's it? like, yeah, and the it's, problem is it spirals in yeah yeah so it yeah, kind of draws yeah. your eyes into the pinhole this is, yeah. uh, I love how but, you got um, spooked the first time you looked you are like oh, oh, oh. So I, so I started talking I was like this is weird talking to an inanimate object yeah, yeah but, it is uh, with, with the tacit understanding that there is an audience behind it yeah it's, yeah it's, yeah. it's an it's a odd sensation it, yeah <laughs> uh, and it's particularly odd because as you know as you know I, I'm not on any social media no no uh, no so I've never really engaged with anything on that degree it's funny with the Lucky Land Slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Actually, when I was starting out okay, the project... Before we go into another tangent. Yeah. I am an atheist... And Tim is, uh, you wouldn't say it, frame it as a theist, but he would be a theist. Yeah. And uh, particularly, I believe, uh, Baptist. Yeah. Would be Born a... Baptist, um, but has since sort of developed my own sort of personalized faith. So it would be the concept okay. of born-again Christianity is but the... the... Born-again Baptist? No, no. Born, so born-again Christian is a particular sort of recognized position of Christianity where... So Jesus would describe people, he says, you must be born again. In other words... When you commit your life to to God, it's like you're starting a whole new life, and you have to take on all these new responsibilities and characteristics. Sure. And so that got its own sort of term within Christianity of being born again Christian. In other words, it's a real simple personal faith. Aside from Catholicism, Baptist, Protestants, Anglican, all these different groups. Aside from all that, it was just this sort of universally recognized term as a special branch of Christian. Okay, but uh, so you, I mean, what would your official? Uh, like on paper, I was born to a Baptist church, a Reformed Baptist church. Yeah. There's a handful of Reformed Baptist churches in Ireland. Real simple belief system, just as is as literal from the Bible as not literal, sorry, as as clean cut from the Bible as possible. Yeah. From what I understand of baptism, is that it's essentially Christianity minus the church's influence. No, because Baptists would be their own church, for want of a better term. Would you have a church? We have a church, but there's there'd be there'd be like a. It would be more community based. <clears throat> no, not even like it's a church, it's just like a Catholic church. Is you go Sunday, you have your service, you've got all your your mm-hmm. your trimmings. You like when you when you if you were an adult and you're looking to join the church, there's certain like things you have to agree with. It's called the church. Um, Oh, my father would be killing me now over this one. How did I forget this? Uh, the ethics, the, the the constitution. There's a term given to the basic fundamental beliefs you have to have in order to join Reformed Baptists. Okay. Um, so all the all that what you'd recognise as a church still stands there. But I, as an individual level, have yeah. stepped away from these labels. I think that's... That's very much part and parcel of the Baptist. Uh, I mean, again, originally, yeah, yeah, the look, Baptist would have stepped from, away from. What little I, I did, I do know about it. It's that one of their uh, founding, uh, d- one of the founding beliefs that differ them from other, you know, Christians, Catholics, so mm. on, is that they believe that every individual has the capacity to be their own minister, you know, their own priest in a sense. They have their own uh, way of praying and their own way of connecting with God. Well, it's and called that, being having a personal faith. Yeah, sure, yeah, but none of them are. But the the fundamental more... one though is that you don't you're not baptized as a child. You have to be, you have to make the decision to to get baptized. I think I was baptized. You would have been, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. One of the characteristics of, of Baptists. So I've been. Is I've that been you unfairly to... denied my opportunity to be a Baptist? No, no, you can you can get baptized into the into the Baptist Again? church. Yeah, I've yeah. already been baptized. But the, we'd look at your baptism as being bullshit. Like, not there's nothing bullshit. there. Like, there's nothing. That's that you weren't baptized. You didn't make that choice. Your parents dunked you in water, but that doesn't mean anything. Like, 
Dude, the Bible doesn't recognize you as saved now because your parents did something. You didn't make any oh, action. Oh, shit, really? Autonomy. Yeah, no. Oh, no. Yeah, and that's like part of the problem. Tell me, I'm going to have to take another bath? I haven't taken a bath since. <laughs> I'd be fucked if I do again. Yeah, you'd wash away half your body weight. They, uh, yeah, so we brought you in because you... Well, we. I brought you in because you... you we, the Black Slate Media team. I always say we as well, and even in the Instagram posts, I say we. It's it's good. It creates it's, this idea that you've got a sort of system behind you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not just you toiling away. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it sounds team. like when you're writing academic papers, you don't say, I think this, me thinks, I said. You say the author would be you of the opinion. You wouldn't even do that. See, this is why I much preferred writing philosophy papers as opposed to sociology or criminology, because in philosophy you're very much uh, expected to uh, not even expected you're uh, promoted you know it's promoted that um, you would give your perspective and that you would make it implicit that it is your perspective okay we're going off tangent again so I wanted to bring somebody on who wouldn't be from the fundamental Christian side of the world and so you have a great way of, of, of articulating your your position oh, and and your condemnation of of religious beliefs as a don't oversell it as a because what if I what I'll if save I, it for the intro so what if yeah what exactly but only save it for the intro if I succeed because if I give a shitty performance and then you were going on about like oh what an articulate genius what a handsome man <laughs> what a what a incredible specimen of man I'm sure this is all things you would say I'm sure you would say. <laughs> Uh, but then I give a shit performance. Oh, it would make you and me seem like an idiot. Primarily just you. But you by association, because you, this is your program. I know. You're meant to, uh, you know, filter the guests. It's your job to keep the, the trash out. But... Yeah, so, I, I, so I, I, I was looking for a way of introducing you, and I thought giving... The... Yeah, I thought after... It was after the Mark one... You sent me a flurry of texts being like, this is it, this is this, 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 this. And I was like, okay. I can't remember what I said. Oh, I can't either. Like, you, you send a barrage of, of messages every time. There's like 15. Yeah. I feel my phone blowing up. I'm like, is someone ringing me? I'm like, no, it's just Oshin. That's how I write. And I, I'm like, I, I'm just going to leave that there and I'll come back in half an hour. I'll and send the a line <laughs> paragraphs. So I write it all in one thing, then it's just, I'm going to get lost at one point in the text. You know, because mm. I'll have to scroll through on the little box that they provide for you to actually preview your text so I just send it in paragraphs it's mm. much easier yeah and that's where I get theses I'll have 16 messages waiting to be read and I'm just like oh, I'm going to have to leave that since tomorrow like I do not have me and me now to read all those now but you're welcome once again more tangents because that's characteristic of our conversations that's your job I'm, I'm leaving was, that to you to I was looking it's going, I'm going to it's going to be a task today like, I actually might turn on the heat as well give me Give me two minutes. Turn on me. Fuck. Yeah. I've got to take out my jumper, so. Okay. Do you want some more water? Um, snacks or anything? No, I still got some more. What kind of snacks do you have? A crisps, but I don't know how it's going to work with the mics. No, yeah, no. Uh, don't, I, I won't. Uh, none. I can't get too casual, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. You still got to... Uh, yeah, go for it. Keep a certain aspect of professionalism going. Disgusting filtered water. It's got a very minerally taste. I don't know what you're saying. Like I think it's the absence of chlorine is what you're tasting. What you're tasting is actual water. Feels like I'm sucking on the barrel of a shotgun. Right, or so much you usually suck on. Yeah, you you would know. <laughs> that's a that's a self burn. 
fluid. Oh, it's it's uh, it's sturdy. Mm. Thought that was uh, that was adjustable. That would kind of spring up and down. Right. So we dropped the Paul episode, and I said, "Man, have a look at the Paul episode. See what you what you, what you think of it." And you actually ended up coming back in a manner that I wasn't expecting, because you actually came back with the whole arguments. You started writing arguments pro. I started. Uh, I wasn't so making, making pro arguments so much as I was taking out uh, arguments that could be taken from either side. I think one of them that uh, that came across in the first half an hour was this idea that moral culpability in an individual's association with an organization that has done morally questionable things. Mm-hmm. So let's say if you were a Christian, or you know, from his perspective, being that he's an apologist, uh, yeah. apolo- apologist, apologist, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, he's an yeah. apologist, uh, is that he's associated with the Christian church and yeah. the Christian church has done some horrible, horrible things. Yeah. And I think a lot of people use this as an excuse to sort of invalidate the religion itself as opposed to the religious structures that surround it and are corrupt. Yeah. And so moral culpability would be in the idea that if you as a person agree with this... Uh, let, me, let me frame it a different way, in a, in a, in a much more humorous way. It's what I like to refer to as the man-covered-in-shit argument. Okay? If you make an impassioned speech, it's well-formed, it's well-structured, it's persuasive, it's articulate, and then a guy covered in shit starts clapping. Everyone else is going to look at that, and they're going to associate your points Mm. with the man-covered-in-shit, and your points will be tainted by your association. So the man covered in shit in this or in this uh, dynamic would be the Christian Church. Mm. That's um, a, that's actually an interesting point yeah. there. That whole concept, that analogy, because I've had that moment where I'd say something to my story or, or something, and the wrong kind of person would come back to me and be like, "Yeah, you're dead right, boy." And I'm like, "Oh bollocks! That wasn't what I was going for." Like, I don't think you can be misinterpreted. People that I know, I get misinterpreted that kind of know you, think of you as a very conservative person. Yeah. To be fair, Tim, you don't do yourself any favors. No, I don't. No, uh, you do frame a lot of arguments in this, like biblical uh, fire and brimstone. Let's destroy the gays kind of way. <laughs> and when I first met you, and when you were first telling these things, I was like, Jesus Christ, he's fucking nuts. He's going on about how, like, I think you said something to the effect of. AIDS was uh, nature's way of getting rid of the gays. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> I, I remember hearing that for first time. I was like, "Oh my god!" Oh dear. He's a legitimate like redneck stereotype <laughs> of a person who's you know sticking their head out their window to to peek around, making sure no homophobes or no, no yeah, no homophobes are going around. No homosexuals are going yeah, around. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mean to. I don't mean to. You see, this is the other thing. I'm bad at humor, and I'm bad at interpreting sarcasm. I'm bad at delivering sarcasm. I'm. I. I feel sometimes like I'm a little bit autistic, that I just can't seem to gather when people are joking, 
and when I say something and I don't get a laugh back, I'm like, how do you guys, how do you not see it from the humorous point of view? And so I make statements that I think is going to be funny. It's just dead, followed by dead silence. And I just have to go, well, sugar, that one went wrong. And I just have to retreat back into my just shed. Commit. I'm like, no, commit to it. <sighs> but what's like, the commit you know what? you've, already, right. you've already dropped the joke. You should get rid of the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, oh, that's what you don't want. If you make an anti-Semitic joke and then someone, everyone goes like, oh, yeah, yeah. Really <laughs> you look around and all of a sudden everyone, yeah, you realize everyone's a skinhead. You're like, oh, shit. I'm the wrong t- side of town. But going back then to, to man covered the shit argument. Yeah, so Paul stands by the Catholic Church despite what the Catholic Church has gotten up to. Is that what you were saying? Uh, from Moral culpability. From what I saw of the 30 minutes, it seems to be that's the case. And the problem is that he was making some impassioned arguments for the validity of religion in an individual's life from what they can extract from the texts and the ideologies that can be espoused uh, from the texts. Mm. You know, I don't think you have to read the Bible to take the lessons from the Bible, you know? Uh, biblical literalism is a famously shoddy uh, area of philosophy, you know? How would you mean, though? I mean, people that literally take things from the Bible, like, you know, Adam and Eve. Mm. People who would be biblically biblically literal seem to be operating under the presumption that Adam literally took a rib from his own body and grew Eve. God took a rib from Adam's oh, body. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. And then that somehow grew Eve, okay? Yeah, yeah. I think it's very much agreed amongst most people of a religious persuasion that the Old Testament is mostly metaphorical and more uh, sort of a runoff of the old Greek styles of mythology which whose stories were more uh, moral tales mm. without actually espousing any strict system of moralities. They were more of these interesting little tales that you could extract uh, these little lessons from. You know, mm. They weren't meant to be taken literally. And I think the Old Testament is kind of an extension of that, mm-hmm. where they're meant to be stories that are meant to get across these ideas and these ideologies. But you're not meant to literally go, there once was a garden and a woman ate a... If we... Okay. If we ate... What was it? The apple of knowledge? Uh, is that the, the fruit isn't specified. It's just the fruit of the tree of good oh. and evil. Yeah, the apple again. See, this is the other problem. When you don't actually do your own reading on it, yeah. you get filtered with the, with the sort of modernized fictionalized pop culture representations yeah a lot of pictures well pop culture a lot of uh, old uh, Venetian paintings uh, yeah anything like that a lot that, of them are, yeah. are apples yeah yeah because uh, yeah. you know, it's a universal fruit people know what an apple looks like yeah. they can associate boom apple fruit anyways she ate the fruit yeah. and then she gained knowledge uh, she became aware of her own existence so she became self conscious effectively oh. yeah 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 because they were naked up until that point and then if the entire premise of the idea that God can't be held responsible for the evil of the world right because he gave us free will and he gave us the capacity to choose to behave in the way that we do mm-hmm. and that's the only way that our salvation can have any sort of legitimacy okay that's an argument I like because it makes sense mm-hmm. it is true that if he invalidated free will then what would be the point of him constructing these moral systems because you would either follow them or you wouldn't follow them based on his own design mm-hmm. but why did he design us without sentience then because that, that invalidates that entire point well it doesn't because you see there's a paradox I remember looking into this when you made this point with me before and there's a paradox within theistic philosophy whereby 
free will and predestination actually run side by side despite them being incompatible you're gonna to have to expand on that a little bit what well like the fact that like, either god decided everything that was going to happen nothing you do matters because god decided if it's going to happen or not or whether we actually have free choice as free active agents but there's actually both of those run side by side now the the actual reason behind why you can actually conceptualize both of those side by side i, I should have looked it up i wasn't actually thinking we're going to get into this one uh, I don't know. I wouldn't be able to give it to you. But there is a strong argument for how they do run simultaneous to each other. Well, there's... This doesn't be... This this would be an argument that is... Uh, it, it doesn't uh, involve any sort of religious connotations. But it would be the argument from free will. And it would be particularly um, determinism. Right? Mm-hmm. I would be what is referred to as a soft determinist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also hard determinism. Which is essentially... You are born with certain predispositions that will dictate your actions... And that's that. Mm-hmm. Whereas soft determinism is the idea that these predispositions influence your actions, mm-hmm. right? They will pose certain... Uh, if, you, if someone is predisposed in a certain way, you can make a uh, an accurate estimation of how they're going to react in a certain situation, mm-hmm. but it can't be a guaranteed. And I don't even think you could establish a statistical correlation, a... You know, quantifiably mm-hmm. valid statistical correlation mm-hmm. because of the presence of free will that yes. even at the last minute that even if all your genetics and all the environment push you to do an action and at the very last minute yeah. you can still choose something else to be honest I think a lot of people who even claim they don't believe in free will actually do but they fail to make the distinction between freedom of choice and free will mm. what a lot of people talk about when they say like oh we have free will or we don't have free will they're talking about freedom of choice. You mm-hmm. have the freedom of choice to do whatever the fuck you want. Your will is what determines how disposed you are towards making those choices. But w- when you're talking about philosophy, do they make that differentiation between will and No, this choice? is the differentiation I've made. Yeah. Um, is that I, not, I mean, are you just not arguing over semantics there? No, because I'm going to stipulate the difference between the two. Freedom of choice would be, I'm going to... You can knock over that microphone right now. Sure, I can knock over that microphone right now. I have that choice, mm. and there is literally nothing stopping me from doing either one. Yeah. Well, no, not literally nothing. Because the other uh, side of it would be free will, or your will, rather, which would be how much I want to knock over this mm-hmm. microphone. I can't choose to not want or to want to knock over the microphone. I can choose to knock it over irregardless. So you could have threats, though... And the impulse to knock it over would be overpowering, and you're just lash out and hit it, or ADHD. So, but I, I'm, this is why I'm trying to give an example that yeah. sometimes the will will override whether you have a choice or not. Sure, uh, I think that more branches into the uh, discrepancies between, say, consciousness uh, or ideas revolving around consciousness and ideas revolving around neurology, mm-hmm. which I think is an entirely separate kettle of fish mm-hmm. that we should probably not stray into if we want to talk about more theistic. Uh, uh, philosophy because mm-hmm. that's that's a mess the uh, problem of the mind is referred to as the hard problem in philosophy mm. that's its title the hard problem because it's that uh, inconclusive there is I mean philosophy in general is not a conclusive science it's not yeah. science at all and anyone who believes that they are deriving answers definitive answers that can be imparted to any individual like instantly without them actually cogitating over it and finding it themselves has a fundamental misunderstanding of what philosophy is mm philosophy is something that should be taken on yourself right i think this is going to be important because i think it does influence and it sort of paints the dynamic here 
I would uh, identify as a nihilist, right? Mm -hmm. And I know you have a lot of problems with nihilism, but however, specifically, I would identify with the existentialist side of nihilism, mm -hmm. right? There's two branches, two main branches. They are they branch off independently of their own, but there'd be two main ones, right? Existentialism and cosmic nihilism or cosmologicalism, mm -hmm. but cosmologicalism is already its own thing, so it's typically referred to as cosmological nihilism. Okay. Cosmological nihilism is what a lot of people think nihilism is, which is the idea that nothing matters, you are an infinitesimal speck in the grander scale of the universe, and that's that. Explain nihilism first of all. Well, nihilism, uh, the, the, bran the, the overarching branching for, that would apply to both existentialism and cosmic nihilism is the idea that there is no meaning in life. Mm -hmm. Okay, The difference between the two would be that uh, cosmological nihilism says that there is no meaning at all. Mm -hmm. And you cannot find meaning because it simply does not exist in the mm -hmm. universe, right? And it doesn't exist in the universe because the universe is... Typically, it revolves around ideas that the universe is so big. You know, it's so grand that your impact is negligible to the point of insignificance. Mm -hmm. I'll tackle this first. We'll go to against sexism. Ooh. What happened there? What did you just say there? Oh, my brain fart. <laughs> I'll tackle this first before I go on to existentialism. What I said was, I'll tackle this first. <laughs> I heard sex in church or religion or something there somewhere. I was like, whoa. Oh, Freudian slip. <laughs> um, cosmological nihilism is so devoid of any humanity that it is ridiculous for any human to legitimately hold it. Mm. And I genuinely doubt any individual is is an actual cosmological nihilist okay mm -hmm. the only real cosmological nihilists are dead because they have unpassionately mm -hmm. and immediately killed themselves if you legitimately hold these views and you have no doubts then and that's the only way to be a cosmological nihilist if you have doubts or if you have uh, attachments to life that you're not willing to give up you would be an existentialist and then you know there'd be different branches of existentialism that mm -hmm. you could get into that we will get into later it's looking at the universe and trying to compress it down to an anthropomorphic scale or sorry not uh, anthropomorphic an anthro no yeah an anthropomorphic scale um, and yet despite the fact that you shrank it down to an anthropomorphic scale to place yourself within this narrative of the grandeur of the universe you then somehow take that and go well I'm not I, or I, I'm being divested of my humanity because of its grandeur, despite making the narrative anthropomorphic to suit this idea that you're fitting into it at all, or that that has any significance. If you are someone who's a cosmological nihilist or identifies with cosmological nihilism, if you're looking at it and you're going, well, the universe is so big and I'm so tiny, so that must mean nothing. Technically, that's true, but who cares? You're not living in the universe. You're mm. living in this world. You're living in your own tiny world. The amount of the world that you will experience that's tiny mm. but that is also the extent of your world your perception and your experiences with reality are the only way you have as an individual to interact with reality that is the only framework you have for reality so ultimately that is reality it's as good as reality it would be I think I've, I've posited this idea before where I came up with this idea for a, uh, a sort of cause and effect relationship as it would apply to the more subjective elements of humanity and it would be intention cause effect perception whereas a cause and effect relationship that is indisputable and it's going to happen irregardless of your intention and your perception mm -hmm. let's take gravity for example okay uh, the co the grammar is a bit 
weird when you talk about cause and effect because by cause it's like the cause is I toss the ball in there. Mm-hmm. Technically, that's not a cause, but you get the idea. Yeah, I toss a ball in the air. Okay, my intention when tossing the ball in the air could have been I'm going to have the ball float, mm-hmm. and or I'm going to have it get into a fixed position in the sky. Yeah, it doesn't matter what your intention is because the effect will be. It, the ball's coming back down. Yeah. And then your perception, again, your perception could be somehow inferred to be the ball is there. It doesn't change the fact that the ball isn't there. Yeah. Whereas something like morality, morality in general, I would say morality is subjective. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people take that to be uh, a tacit uh, acceptance, if not... Uh, what's the fucking term? I was trying to find it earlier. Not... Um, when I'm, when I'm kind of uh, in, in favor of something tacit approval yeah whatever we'll, we'll use approval okay. that, that I'm giving tacit approval to the idea that morality is subjective so you can be as immoral or as conventionally immoral as you want yeah that's nonsense all I'm doing is acknowledging that it only exists within the minds of humans it's not an indisputable law it's not an unchangeable law like gravity because let's say you have a murder right it's it's not a law, but pausing there. It's not a law, but we can recognize oh, my it. Mouth's dry. We can recognize it. I'm talking too much. To such a significance that you can't disregard it either. It's like there's a page I follow on Instagram. I never said I was disregarding it. No, but the the fact is though is that like you can't. It doesn't devalue it just because it's not a law. I'm it, not trying it, to it, it. It's so I know, but it sounds like, as if you were, as if you're dismissing. If anything, it. my previous statements about being that you are the sole arbiter of meaning and validity in your reality—that is the only way in which morality can be viewed as valuable. Because if you view it in the sense of there is this uh, strict moral code that exists as a law, then that means that the moral choices you make don't really have any value you're either making the right one or you're making the wrong one and that's it you you have this um uh you know bilineal reaction not reaction and what's the doesn't matter uh you have this this yes or no uh scenario Mm -hmm. that sort of takes away the value from it because there's then ultimately you're only you're either intentionally making wrong choices and in which case you know what why if there is this strict law or you're either making the right choices and can you really make any value from that because ultimately all you're doing is picking the right one mm-hmm. you're not finding the right one or you're not coming to your own conclusions about what's right you're picking the right one because mm-hmm. there only is one right yeah. one but then the idea that it's subjective is that let's take this perception or intention cause effect perception reaction mm-hmm. the cause would be someone gets murdered right mm-hmm. the effect would be someone's dead you look at that and the second you start applying moral judgments to it it can alter the narrative and the actual effect to an extent whereby let's say the intention was he murdered this guy because he raped his daughter Mm. right the effect is still the person's dead but now the perception is well I can see that you know there's Mm. some validity to that and in a sense you're not denying his moral culpability but you're lessening it and what's actually funny is that it's valid in, in your mind and yeah yeah that, it'd be valid in my mind that validation is, is spurned though by this unclarified moral lineage that does run through all humanity which would be the argument for an objective morality because if you go to any country 
anywhere in the world nearly and you hear that some rapist was, was murdered by the girl's family it's one of those sort of events that surpasses language and you can go yeah alright I understand that well how about the countries that uh, have a sort of acceptance of rape I don't know if any country has an acceptance of rape as much as it does like as even in, in as much as it does has a country that doesn't punish it or there a community that doesn't is, punish it to the same extent there is this Arabian community and I know I'm painting a grand brush because I know a lot of people jump on that bandwagon of you know Arabs are fucking monsters and whatever else and, and I wish I had the actual name of the place but I'm afraid I don't it's just this Arabian place and they have this community whereby if they find out someone in the area is gay they will ha- it's like your civil duty to rape that person mm. be them and the odd thing is that it's be it a man or a woman mm. if it's a woman they seem to be under the impression that if this group of men go and rape her then what turn her back to heterosexuality because <laughs> your raping was so good <laughs> that she's like oh I love it now and I'm back you know oh forget women and then for mm. men it's the opposite narrative whereby he's gonna fucking hate gay sex so much that he's gonna become heterosexual again it's nonsense yeah. but that is it's not like a moral thing it's viewed as this is our civil duty their moral that moral and civic duty are pretty pretty well, no. closely aligned though yeah no I, I, I yeah that was my bad uh, to to sort of uh, rephrase it the morality in it comes from the unquestioned acceptance of the idea that homosexuality is bad, right? Yeah. Is morally incomprehensible or morally uh, irrehensible. Yeah. And then the civil duty comes from, well, of course, we have to stop that. Mm. It's the idea that a lot of these, um, you know, pray away the gay yeah. uh, things in, yeah. in, in like, uh, usually church organized. Uh, yeah. Church. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of them aren't doing it out of this idea that gay is evil and we got to get rid of them. That was a uh, that, that that's a a pre-applied that that's a that's a you know ingrained bias that they already have. They're not even questioning that. Yeah, they're looking at it as if they're doing a civil duty, which is why it makes these kind of things really complicated to argue for, because the people that are doing this, despite the fact that they're clearly wrong and they're and they're doing something that could be viewed as morally irrehensible they're not doing it with this idea that they're doing something evil and that's you know where the idea from moral subjectivity kind of ultimately loses a lot of fans you know a lot of followers moral subjectivity or moral objectivity moral subjectivity loses a lot of fans because the second you introduce this idea of moral subjectivity it introduces so much nuance mm. into legal proceedings mm. for example that I mean there's already so many complications that can go into a legal proceeding to apply this idea of moral subjectivity would fundamentally alter the basis upon which we build laws as it is I just had a thought there is it possible to have an objectivity that only applies to set communities and cultures you see this is one of the problems with objectivity is that the assumption is that it's subject individual object has to be the world has to to apply generally or it's not objective but it seems like there are two extreme categories. That it's, it's black or it's white and yeah. there's no grey. I mean, what I would say is because on a uh, on, a, on an all-earth scale, right, moral, morality is subjective, okay? And 
see ultimately the problem with the argument for morality is subjective is that even if you think it's objective it doesn't matter because people are acting on their own moralities that may be different to your objective mm. morality and they're ultimately reaping the same benefits or the same rewards or having the same effects and lives as you would mm. so ultimately whether it's not it's objective is only going to come into play after they die and let's say it is objective oh well then you're fucked yeah, then yeah. you're fucked <laughs> um, but before that that's, that's unfalsifiable right that's not something we can prove it's not something we can disprove mm. Uh, same with God and same with heaven and same with a lot of the uh, the things that are involved in religion. Same with a lot of philosophical topics in general. That's Absolutely. where the philosophy came from was the whole... And this is where I would get into agreement of your idea that you can have objectivity in certain groups because if it is subjective, then that means its validity is centered entirely upon your acceptance of it. Yeah. Right? And in a sense, because as I said earlier, if you remember, that you are the sole arbiter of meaning in, and even validity in your reality yeah by accepting this moral state or this moral uh, ideology it becomes objective because it has as much impact on your life as if it was objective this is so weird I literally took down this thought last night going to sleep go for it um, let me just see if it's actually written coherently where does this go okay yeah so the concept of, of non-factual truths. So there are lots of non-factual truths that people believe. They can't show you with mathematically. They can't show you mathematically why it's true, but it strikes a chord so deep within them that they just know it's true. And other people will accept other people's subjective realities while still believing their own. So if people would acknowledge that this fallacy in somebody's belief would recognize it as okay. Mm -hmm while still simultaneously acknowledging their own subjective beliefs. Absolutely. Most of these cases go by without a hitch until you bring God into it. Once you say God spoke to me or when I was praying God proved this to me, people just go, nah, nah, he's, he's wishy-washy, he's, off his, he's yeah. off his rocker. Even those, who, even those who do this, even those who do this will still recognize your reality is what you make it. So yeah, even those who shut down people who come out with the whole, well, God was speaking to me the other day, they will still recognize that your reality is what you make it. They'll still acknowledge that that exists. And if you happen, and if you make it so, then it becomes their reality. Like, if you believe in your reality, then yeah. it's no longer you having this grand idea about what reality should be. It's, this it's, has become your reality. It's an interesting term, once you believe in your reality. Yeah, you yeah, 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 you know what I mean. And it is that. It's because uh, for this idea, because, as I said, like, you know, this cause-effect thing, because it does have no definitive cause, or it has no definitive cause and effect, once you apply varying perceptions and varying intentions, it alters that completely. Yeah. It's chameleon. And it so just changes things, color as it yeah, moves absolutely. through. So the these are things that, once they're accepted by you, they become as good as objective. Which is what I'm saying with the non-factual truths. Hmm. And so even non-spiritual people will defend the process of believing in something that you can't actually prove. But once it becomes religious, oh. people shut it no, off. No, I, I would support religion. I, I support religion 100%. Particularly seeing as how, uh, as Durkheim has shown. Uh, oh, uh, um, uh, Emil Durkheim being uh, the, uh, the author of 1892 Le Suicide. No. Mm. Are you referencing? Are you doing in-speech referencing? Well, I think that's important for a discussion. What? What if people want to look up and find the thing? 
I think you should link yeah. some of these things in the actual. Okay, I definitely agree with you there. It's a big blind spot in my thing yeah. is that there's no referencing. I think when you go through the editing, you should like just pick out it's little too things. Much, and, it's too much effort, man. Yeah. I need someone else to do that. Genuinely. If you had another person here, like on the computer, they could just like take down like, oh, and Wallace, yes. suicide was mentioned. I'll, 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 you know, write that down. We'll yeah. make a reference. That's something that will um, only come down the line, man. I can't. I can't reference. But to be honest, because uh, this this is different because it's not an article. It's not something that you'll have to look for. If you look up Emil Durkheim, The Suicide, you will find it. Yeah. Uh, it's his most famous work. And uh, as you know, he, he picked out five different things that were yeah. relating to the contemporary prevalence. Think about that. In 1892, they were noting a prevalence of suicide. Those rates have gone up. Mm. Uh, 1892, that can't be right. Durkheim was so fucking ahead of his time. Uh. 1912 no fuck god yeah I think it was 1892 anyways here I'll I'll check yeah do do so the original publication of Le Suicide uh, Le Suicide Le Suicide it could be even 1862 Le Suicide Le Suicide and if uh, maybe put in Durkheim just <laughs> I did yeah Emil Durkheim 1897 Suicide A Study in Sociology 1897 wow. It's a fucking. It's it's eminently readable today. Even have you? Did you ever read it? No, I've read passages of it for sociology back and forth. It's and short enough. You could you could breeze through it in like a like a week. Um, but anyways, he posited five different areas that he wanted to look into for why people were committing more suicide, uh, and one of them was religion. And he found that once communities in general lost their tenacity and their uh, their piousness. For, or the tenacity of religion and their piousness they're they're one and the same yeah mm-hmm. uh, I'm being needlessly articulate uh, that's that's the that's the dickhead in coming out well no that's the effect of having a camera on me because because uh, I want to be I want to be you know I want to be articulate you're I wanna, inebriated seem more intelligent than you're I am. inebriated with the exuberance of your own verbosity my compadre yeah if you like yeah. do you know what that means Twat. Please. You're drunk on your own. Don't don't condescend to me. Ah! Don't condescend to me. Um, yeah, so Durkheim, su- Le Suicide. Yeah, and one of the areas that he picked up was religion. And he found that once people uh, didn't have religion in their life, it took away the sense of community that people had because they could bond together in this uh, uh, communal objectivity, right? He didn't phrase it as this, but I'm reworking it to fit yeah, the uh, no, I'm not even paraphrasing. I'm just reworking it to fit into this argument that we're having. Okay. He would have phrased it in a way that was uh, essentially... He, he also looked at it as like he, he wanted um, nationality and patriotism to replace religion. Mm-hmm. And he said that places like Russia kind of got this a little bit with stuff like the motherland, you know. Mm. But uh, ultimately this was fleeting and it only really sprang up in times of war once peace times came along it also encourages racism people stop giving shit yeah absolutely xenophobia stuff like that yeah um but anyways uh religion it bonded people together yeah with this sense of communal objectivity because they could all agree on something yeah right whereas the living in a state where you constantly have to acknowledge the subjectivity of your own ideas and everyone else's ideas you're living in a state of constant flux um, Dukran what's his goddamn name du- Dukran I think it's Dukran right John. I'm gonna get my own phone yeah, yeah right, right. mind your water and stuff 
uh, once you introduce this idea of moral subjectivity into interpersonal relations, it becomes very complicated and to, uh, to constantly check yourself and constantly doubt your own ideas because you... Well, that's what we're going through at the minute. You're, yeah, exactly. To, to, to go from this idea of that, oh, I'm so self-aware of how subjective it is and I can't ever genuinely commit myself to this idea, even though I think that is a legitimate uh, stance to take. Mm -hmm. Getting to the point where you'd be like, okay, my moral code is as objective as a moral code can be because, precisely because of its mm. subjectivity. But to actually get to that point is very difficult. Mm. And there was this one philosopher, Derrida, seamless, cut out the point where I didn't know. Uh, Derrida, you just ruined it because you talked about fact cutting at the point that you I, didn't know. I think it's important because I don't want to misrepresent myself. Like, yeah. you know, I make mistakes. Uh, Derrida, Jacques Derrida, um, was his, I think, yeah, I think Jacques was his first name. Uh, he came up with this idea of uh, deconstructionism, which is, uh, I'm going to give a very bare bones explanation of it because he wrote like fucking tomes and tomes. He wrote, he wrote too much. Uh, but he was a French philosopher, you know, so they're sexy. <laughs> French in 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 France, philosophers are the like uh, you know James Deans, you know you know Camus, Albert Camus. Yeah. He was like he was he was like James Dean or a Marlon Brando going around France. You know he had fangirls fawning over him for his existentialist. God damn it! I was talking about existentialism. Oh God. <laughs> Oh, okay, we'll come back to that. We will come back to that. Dare they have this idea. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, Dare they had this idea of deconstructionism, yeah. which was that you should constantly... He, he uh, was in favor of this state of confusion, what he referred to as aporia. It's mm. an old Greek word that he kind of reappropriated. Uh, aporia, which is a state of confusion, and he... He promoted this. He advocated for it. Advocated. That was the word I was looking for earlier. He advocated for uh, uh, people being in this state of aporia because of his idea of deconstructionism. Aporia is just where nothing. Greek word for a state of confusion. Okay. More or less. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not exactly, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, for deconstructionism, the idea with deconstructionism is that you should constantly uh, reevaluate what you value, and also. And understand that there is value to be have had in the uh, in the opposite of what you mm -hmm. believe in. Mm -hmm. So let's say, for example, you know, let's take this this dynamic. Uh, I am an atheist. However, I very much acknowledge the value in religion mm -hmm. and then theism. And you as well should perhaps, if dare thou would have his way, should acknowledge the value in atheism. Mm -hmm. And you should do this on all levels of, of everything, mm -hmm. you know, for even, even simple things like books and TV. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of pretension, particularly... Taste in music, taste in clothes, everything. Yeah. Across the board, it's, it's one way of becoming more, more conscious of, of how you conduct yourself with other people and the respect you have for others. Yeah. So, and it's not just... It's, it's, it tends to be particularly rampant around academia, because there's... There's a massive amount of pretension in those. There is, you know, yeah. Academia is a problem with that. Balls. Yeah, people read a few, a few uh, famous people, a few old people, and they think now all of a sudden that they've been given the yeah. the knowledge of God, and woe to anyone who condemns them, like or con heaven forbid contradicts them on an argument. As well as the overvaluing of literature, as opposed to video games, even. Yeah. Video games have had an awful run of being recognised as a legitimate art. 
you know mm. which is ridiculous mm. think about this is, this is a tangential argument but it's one that a lot of people get into video games are more art in a sense in a, in a purely logistical sense than any other art mm. okay they have music they have art you know art the artwork they yeah, are yeah. assets yeah. they have acting they have scripts and they package all of this in an interactive way mm. and yet people are like it's not art and not just an interactive way but a way that pulls on your heartstrings it can do that even more effectively because it breaks it bridges that gap yeah. between audience and character yeah and it 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 promotes this uh, empathy this empathic uh, connection that is necessary to make with a character yeah. or you know a group of characters for their adventures to have any sort of emotional resonance and even like have you played Far Cry 3? Uh, I played a bit of it you didn't finish it so uh, I'm aware of the ending yeah man I got did it oh as I was telling you there earlier uh, The Walking Dead The Telltale's yes. Walking yeah. Dead yeah uh, season one particularly but the other seasons are pretty good too uh, the end of that video game now not video just game, yes. for clarification uh, yeah the the Telltale mm. uh, there, that could be another link Telltale video game series uh, of The Walking Dead it's phenomenal and it's it's one of these instances where it's better than the source material like Lovecraft you know Lovecraft? I'm familiar Cthulhu, with Cthulhu yeah, um, yeah, yeah, Shadow yeah. over Innsmouth stuff yeah, like that yeah, yeah. Lovecraft was a terrible terrible author however what people have been able to do with his ideas have created one of my favourite genres of horror Lovecraftian horror mm. uh, but anyways I'm getting off the point you're getting off the point of, of, of the point of the point of yes. the point <laughs> okay let, let's, let's work really it back. back deconstructionism yeah so deconstructionism he would advocate for this uh, and while he said that yes if you do this you will be in an almost constant state of aporia mm-hmm. however he said that's good that's a state of that's a sign of maturity in Derrida's eyes mm-hmm. you know it's a sign that you're not blindly following any one idea you're constantly reevaluating what you believe and you're constantly adjusting it to accommodate your uh, to, to accommodate what you've seen to mm-hmm. accommodate what you've experienced you know and I think that's one of the reasons a lot of people don't particularly nowadays and in the western world anyways a lot of people don't really get into religion you know atheism is kind of the running or agnosticism is but agnosticism I don't think anyone's really agnostic I, I think it's laziness more so it's laziness I think people don't want to commit to anything that. and so the easy answer is atheist if anyone asks or uh, well I'm I was born a Christian but yeah. I'm not really and you know I think the reason that people a lot of people take agnosticism apathy, apathy is a, it's apathetic yeah. yes it's apathetic one and I also think it, it may be uh, laziness I think is too harsh a way to phrase it I think laziness I think, is fair I think maybe it's just I think apathy is more I, accurate I think people look at it they realise the work that w- would be required to become semi informed on the different areas of religion and they just go I couldn't be yeah but for arsed. most people it, pay, it has no impact on their life so honestly why would they because it's kicking the can it's no impact now until you've got cancer you know you ask a, a terminally sure, ill yeah. person but that, I think that's they're going to give you a very different response that's a very manipulative way to kind of look at it because the reason a lot but of cancer real... patients and a lot of say prisoners turn to religion is precisely because it's that comforting force yeah, yeah. but I don't think that should be looked at it as like a proof of its validity no but uh, it was proof of, of why it's proof of how people, comforting it is people who aren't under pressure to make the decision will 
will inadvertently just become apathetic because they're too lazy to actually go and seek answers. But someone who's facing death in a very real capacity, well, they'll, yeah. they'll face the answers in a little bit but more... It's not that they're, no, no. What I'm saying is that they're not looking for answers. What they're looking for is comfort. Mm. Comfort Again. because of the questions that come. And so... No, you're no, seeking no, comfort not, not in the, the answers that come because of the inevitabilities that present themselves no I think I think they when people get terminally ill when people go to prison they're inevitably confronted with the idea of their mortality yeah and what is more comfort and that brings questions it brings questions you don't just look questions. for comfort like your comfort comes in the answers because what, yeah. what the, the whole issue of, of your own what was the word you said vulnerability um, morality yeah mortality sorry oh um, is that it makes you ask questions about who am I, why am I here, what's the point of all this, sure. and the comfort comes from finding answers that, well, that bring comfort. You can't just go, religion tells me this, alright, that's grand. You, there's no comfort there because there's no genuine comfort because you don't believe what you're reading. Sure, but Whereas it, if you I actually mean, ask the questions, you find the answers, then you find the comfort. That's well, work. There's well, work well, on in there to find that well, comfort. What I'm saying is that, uh, let's say, um, let's say we still sort of followed the more fire and brimstone mm-hmm. uh, God, right? Mm-hmm. And that is the uh, the narrative that was presented to us. Yeah. I guarantee you there wouldn't be as much terminal patience and as much people in prison coming to religion if rather than the comforting, you know, warm embrace of Jesus Christ, mm. they had the backhand of a furious and vengeful God. That's a good point. But ultimately, I think... Uh, I think it's it's worth stating that uh, uh, this argument is should be underlied by the fact that we're not invalidating seeking comfort. Mm. If you can seek comfort, if you can find comfort again, fucking hell, yeah, non factual truth. Yeah. Take it, like, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, if it works, it works. Why would you question it? See, yeah. I think that that would be a, a sort of culmination of my point. They're not questioning it because once you find that answer that's comforting, why would you question it? Mm. It's not. They're not asking questions. For the sake of you know, oh, I'm so curious about these answers. They're asking questions because they've been faced with something uncomfortable, mm. and once they find an answer that is comforting, the questions they don't matter anymore. Yeah, you know. Whereas to bring it back, what Derrida would be advocating for with deconstructionism is always asking those questions, and it's a very hard thing to actually do, and it's something that I don't do. And uh, honestly, well, but by our nature, we don't do it. Humans respond and react in the yeah. moment a lot of the time. Like deconstructionism in its purest form would only work if you can take everything slowly anything that happens okay there's two sides to this coin let's look at both well, sides and then move forward no because Derrida wasn't trying to say that you shouldn't value certain things over other things but that you should just on occasion question your value you know he acknowledged that you should value love over hate mm. or wit over dullness mm. okay he, he viewed those and he said like yeah you should absolutely value those things over the other things but just question it every now and then be like well maybe there's something good to be found in dullness yeah okay yeah uh, hard work perhaps would be associated with dullness think of the um, you could tie that back with yin and yang sometimes you need a little bit of everything yeah. there. absolutely uh, <laughs> yeah I was just about to say right where do we fall off you brought up deconstructionism because we had moral culpability I'll jump back to we had <laughs> sub- oh well nihilism is the very beginning of yeah. this cosmological Will we just jump back in there? Absolutely. So, yeah. to, to jump all the way back, I would be an existentialist. Yes. Right? 
which uh, the discrepancy, uh, the discrepancy, the um, difference between that and cosmologicalism would be that existentialism would uh, would posit the idea that there is no meaning, but there is no inherent meaning, mm. which comes with the assumption that you can create meaning, mm-hmm. right? And I particularly uh, espouse the ideas of what would be referred to as optimistic nihilism, which is a branching of existentialism, and it's that this idea that if nothing has any inherent meaning then again to wrap it up in this argument that we have been having you can place value in things and it will be as inherently valuable as anything else because ultimately you are the only person that has authority on what is valuable if Mm -hmm. there is no inherent meaning Mm -hmm. right and so because of that you can fucking find meaning in whatever yeah it's hard it's very hard but you can do it and it can mean anything I'm surprised you're still a nihilist, though, because you hadn't mentioned existentialist. it. Existentialist. Optimistic nihilist, if you want to be uh, more specific. Because I thought you'd moved away from it, because you hadn't mentioned it in a while. And, and I, You see, this is the problem, is that when you hit a crisis point, what you have individually ascribed meaning to becomes very unstable. And you question yourself, oh, sure. well, where, where is the real value in that? And you've got no religious text to turn back to that reinforces why this is valuable yeah. or why this is important and the fact is and this is what a lot of the people who are against nihilism would make the argument that it doesn't give you any lasting long term well, encouragement to get through life and that life is far more difficult than what nihilism can, can ever prepare, prepare you for well no I disagree with that idea uh, uh, well that would be the argument that when, when tough things happen in life nihilism won't carry you through Nihilism isn't there to encourage you and to say, look, it's okay, we're going to get through this. Nihilism just goes, ah, well, you're born in this world, you're going to have to deal oh. with this. See, again, that, that's, that's, that's an argument that comes from people that don't know what nihilism is. No, but you see, this is the thing, is that you don't put that's nihilism argu- into context. You know that that's an argument from people who read in a bathroom stall and misquoted Nietzsche and went like, oh, nihilism. You know, they they read Nietzsche saying, oh, yeah, here's something that should be But said. you don't, you don't <laughs> take the nihilism argument into context. Nihilism argument from who? The whole nihilism argument itself. When when I when I give you this fact of the fact that like people have beliefs because they need answers, they yeah. need structure. Nihilism doesn't hold you through troubling times. Why not? Because it relies on your own individual motivation to believe in it. Yeah. But like, but that's putting way too much faith in your own mental health. We know that mental health doesn't last that long. Yeah, but again. This, if you if you're coming at this idea that you're placing meaning in your own life, then you've progressed from this starting point of it's meaningless, right? Mm-hmm. And so you've built up your system of meaning. You've not just pointed at things all on your own imagination. That's meaningful now, you know. All on your own imagination. Yeah, but also stuff that you just value, stuff that you've come to value over your own, you know, atavistic and phenomenological experiences, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Qualia—that's the term I was looking for. Your qualia. Um, I should—I should stipulate, yeah, because not everyone's done criminology and philosophy. I know. Pretty much nobody. When I talk to people who don't do uh, criminology and philosophy, I'll use terms naturally that are like uh, very much explicitly uh, part of the social science Mm. that I'm discussing, and then uh, then it's kind of you know, it, it gets people lost in the discussion. It does, but it's it's no harm because one of the things I remember reading about before no, I'll explain people, what quality don't is. talk down to people. I'll explain what quality is first. Yeah, great. Um, it's the phenomenological experience of something, and the phenomenological uh, would be the actual. You can just keep talking to me. 
Yeah. It's the actual quality of the experience. So let's say pain, the idea, when think of pain, mm -hmm. you have an idea of what pain is mm -hmm. and you can kind of sense it. Yeah. That would be the qualia. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, anyways, uh, yeah, talking down to people. And I think there's a big problem with that in philosophy, particularly. Because a lot of philosophy. Rick and Morty fans. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but a lot of philosophy is written in this way that it seems as if it's being written just for philosophers. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And ultimately, that makes it an invaluable. No, no, invaluable, because that's one of those, you know, like inflammable is actually flammable. Yeah. Uh, it makes it a uh, invalid, I would say. Yeah. Pointless. It makes it a pointless philosophy. I wouldn't say pointless, but... It... I would. If you can't make your... Uh, and I know that I'm going to sound like a hypocrite because I don't. That's because I've just... This is just, you know, needlessly articulate would be how I describe myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of the big things. It's just something that I've picked up over time. You yeah. know, I, I read a lot when I was younger and I just... I just it I is a skill, though. And it's, it's a very impressive skill. Skill is just something that I naturally picked up. It's not something that I sought out. doesn't matter. Should People can have that? skills that they didn't see, seek out. Um, oh. What the fuck was I saying? <laughs> uh, qualia. Oh, yes. No, no, no. Before that, yeah. Um, being needlessly articulate is sort of a characteristic of a lot of um, philosophical works, a lot of social sciences mm. in general. But all of these arguments that I make, I could, if pressing them, and if someone came up and they were like, I can't understand it, I could make these arguments in layman's terms. Mm. And if I found I couldn't, then I would stop making them. Because mm. the only way, because a lot of the, these philosophical terms and these philosophical arguments are centered around these what are meant to be universal truths. Mm. You know, these big ideas and these big thoughts and these big concepts. But if you can't explain those big concepts... Exactly, terms, they're not then big, they're tiny. Yeah. They yeah. only apply to the subsect of people that have that have read philosophy and that have, uh, you know, that actually dedicate themselves to philosophy. And if that's the only people it applies to, well, then you haven't solved shit. Mm. You haven't come to any grand conclusion. You're just... Uh, getting into this circle jerk of people that are all wanking each other off going like oh we're so smart oh we figured out the answers to life questions you know like it's, it's, a, it's a pointless discussion that just it's, it's an intellectual toilet is what it is about and philosophy it is a good mark of your character to be fair is that when you use words and I'm just like man what are you talking about you have that okay well and then you, you give the answer I've never had you go um, fuck yeah <laughs> I don't know how to explain that like. you ever read a book <laughs> you read a book, book. Yeah. Um, yeah so yeah, big ideas should be yeah yeah uh, we made the point here, here's a nice little, yeah but I'm gonna I'm gonna package it in a nice little bowl alright big ideas that only apply to big egos only apply to small people Nice. Give us it again. Big, <laughs> uh, big ideas. Only big ideas related that can, to big egos. Yeah, the big ideas that can only be appreciated. There we go. Big ideas that can only be appreciated by big egos only apply to small people. Nice. There, there we go. go. Nice yeah, fuck you, academia. <laughs> I'm a cool. I'm a cool academic. I'm one of those guys that when they throw their hats in the air, I toss it at the lecture. <laughs> Take his head off. I, I, I have the same sort of thing with like YouTubers or Instagram even. 
I'm an Instagram, but I'm not one of those kind of Instagrammers. <laughs> yeah. I'm a cool Instagram. I'm different. I'm different because of my subjective reality. I'm, I'm using the platform and I'm basically like everyone Doing else. everything that they do, but, but I'm doing it differently. And then, then, then you'll get into this weird uh, cycle of like, okay, but being self-aware, does being self-aware make it worse or better? And does by acknowledging my self-awareness, does that somehow, you know, does that, oh, does that invalidate it? Does it uh, make it better? Or, but then if I'm being self-aware about the self-awareness of how self-aware I am, oh, well then how is that going to change the parent? <laughs> exactly, yeah. So ultimately you do just have to at a certain point accept that, uh, not that you're part of the problem so much, but that you're not as... Individual as you like to think. Yeah, you're, you're not You're not as, as special. Exactly. You're not special. You're not as... Uh, Nihilism! <laughs> you're not as unique. That's a, that, that can be a comforting idea, though. Yeah, if you want to slit your wrists and cry in a room on your own. No, no, this idea, there's this um, manga that I really like, uh, Mob Psycho 100. And the idea of Mob Psycho 100 is about this, it's about this guy who has uh, uh, psychic powers, right? He's an esper, mm -hmm. uh, which is someone with, with psychic powers. And uh, the idea and, and the, the kind of narrative conflict throughout the manga is that he doesn't want to use his powers for like to to help him succeed he uh he, he actually a big part of it is that he wants to get ripped he mm. wants to work out and he wants to big build muscles and the people that are around him that seem like this they're like why don't you just use his power you know why don't you just use your power that's what you were given and he's he's coming up from this idea of that i'm not better than anyone else just because i was born with this power mm. you know and and there's there's these scenes where he'll start of give these speeches where it's like Particularly when he's going up against other people with these uh, esper, uh, other espers, mm -hmm. and they're like, "Oh, I'm fucking king of the world, and I, you know, with these power, I'll be able to take over the world, and I'll be, you know, king of everyone." And then he'll come along and be like, "Well, you know, can you plant a seed? Can you uh, plumb a toilet? You know, mm -hmm. like like listing all these little things." And then they'll go like, "Ah, oh, I don't need to do that. You know, I'll get other people to do that." Well, then he'll be like, "Well, yeah, that's exactly the point. There's no such thing as mm -hmm. one individual that's." somehow on a higher on a on a you know the top of a, mm. of a hierarchy uh, there's elements of a hierarchy but they typically exist within smaller substructures you know mm. because let me phrase it in a different way people uh, like to get into this idea of being alphas right mm. people like to think oh I'm an alpha <laughs> let's say I took an alpha who was an alpha in the in the way that a lot of people tend to think of it like as a chad Mm. You know, like, oh, he's big, he's tough, he's whatever. If I took that alpha and I brought him with me to a D and D game, which is Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, people don't. Dungeons and Dragons, a tabletop role playing game. It's the game that you've typically seen a lot of uh, movies uh, where nerds play it. And it's them. moving like yeah, my exactly. starstrucker. And they always have for some reason. All of their glasses have a little tape. It seems like seemingly yeah, yeah, yeah. they've been bashed by some <laughs> uh, some fucking bros at some point. These fucking nerds getting bashed. Uh, but uh, it's the it's the game where you see but they roll dice and it's 20 sided dice if I were to take that alpha and I was to bring him to a D&D &D game he would be a fucking beta in that scenario what do you mean but he'd knock all of them out with one punch <laughs> that's what I'm saying he, he wouldn't he, he would not excel in that field and if you put him in any other situation if you put him in a field is this because I couldn't do your computer game is this what this is no you didn't you having to dig at me I see in my own house you didn't talk him no I did too uh, I limped over the finish line. You got there. I did get there. I did. And uh, again, as I said, that was a lot more uh, heavy on yeah, yeah, than yeah. what a, a first D and D game. And it wasn't D and D also; it was Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. But I use D and D because it's the term a lot of people associate with tabletop role playing games. So you know it's easier. 
it's, it's that you know it's, just, it's one of those little conceptual shorthands that people build up yeah uh, anyway let's not talk about Call of Duty because I'll get into that and that'll be, that'll be a whole different thing I imagine most people listening to this probably don't give a shit about that you should it's good fun find, find, find a friend who's into it maybe start up a game it's good fun <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons D&D oh, before that we're past that. With that no, that you you moved into D and D. If you took an alpha, put them in D and D. Oh yeah, yeah. My point being that um, there's there's just powers that that there is no uh, universal hierarchy, yeah. right? Because in the every individual to some capacity relies on people, and they often rely on people that they look down on. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's there's a lot of like fables and stuff are based on those premises. Yeah, the people you overlook are the ones that actually turn around to help you, like that that thing. You mean the beast. Beauty and the, beast, the old exactly. woman comes to the door and he's like get out of here you old bitch mm. you old hag uh, and then he's a beast wouldn't you be fucking disappointed if you were the princess in Beauty and the Beast you'd fallen in love with this big I've never fucking it. beast of a okay <laughs> forget it no fun Shrek in reverse yeah sure well no because that one actually did apply that idea to it where like um, when he turned back into a human Fiona was yeah. like Ah. I prefer the old yeah where, where's the old guy that's the remember? principle right you get into a relationship with a woman she changes you for 20 years and then goes oh, you're just not the same as when we started yeah but neither would she be after 20 years oh, yes you see what I mean I can't do jokes Oshin. I can't do jokes that one went no, that's a you just you were like yeah Tim because fact no no, no I acknowledged it as a joke okay it was just the uh quality of the joke yeah, that, I, that I was I was giving you the opportunity to just move past it because you it see I, uh, yeah exactly it was a <laughs> joke you're a terrible terrible joke to I was trying to help you out there uh, but no legitimately it's, it's also because I am quite a stoic person yeah. naturally and I found that just, just to aid in like social situations I, I have to sometimes uh, artificially laugh just so I can uh, that's the autism coming through brother eh Asperger's uh, <laughs> Asperger's Asperger's yeah is that how you actually pronounce it yeah yeah really yeah Asperger's syndrome it's not Asperger's you, did you say Asperger's yeah that's the meme man he got that Asperger's oh my god yeah yeah it's I Asperger's. thought it was actually Asperger's this whole time no 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 oh Asperger's yeah yeah okay that's so funny. There's only one other person I know who says Asperger's and I, I, yeah, I've heard that. And like every single time, in some form of media, it's someone with uh, asp Aspergers. Aspergers. Yeah. They Asperger. pronounce it as Aspergers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Aspergers. Okay. Um, weird. <laughs> uh, but anyways, yeah. So I'm quite stoic. So I'll have to sort of. Uh, uh, you mean you're you're quite Aspergers? Yeah, I'm quite I'm quite Asperger. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to sort of manufacture a laugh. Just because because it's not Blend. like I'll, I'll hear something I'll be like yeah that's funny, you but know? it won't elicit a laugh out of you. So you have to force one there. No, yeah, mm. but um, e even when I find things really like like genuinely quite funny, there'll be times where I'll just be like uh, you know for whatever reason, nothing will kind of yeah. there'll be no laugh, there'll be no jiggle, jiggle, yeah. there'll be no giggle. Yeah. So I'll just have to give it you know give, you know what's a classic just a, a short and sharp exhalation of air through your nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a classic one. That'll just that will just ease the social tension of, of someone who's made a joke and that are just looking around a room being like, Oh, someone laugh, please, so we can move on. Thirty seconds, someone just goes up. Eat him a little <laughs> <laughs> And he moves loud. 
Like you know, you were just blowing your nose. <laughs> so this is your fault. <laughs> you're meant to. You you explicitly told me that you want this to be as free form uh, as possible, so that I should just I shouldn't control myself at all. <sighs> I did this with the uh, with the understanding that you. Would exercise I don't keep track of anything. Of, yeah, but then you would exercise some sort of authority over this. I will exercise authority, and here keep I track. am, stamping out the authority. Go ahead. Back to nihilism. Yes. We had gone through... Well, I the last point I remember on the nihilism topic was nihilism getting you through the difficult times, getting you through... Providing you something to, to lean on and support. Now, how we went from that into Dungeons and Dragons and Alphas and uh, Asperger's, <laughs> I couldn't track it. Yeah, yeah, it kind of did. Um, um, I don't like this idea of talking about, like, oh, hard times. But, man, but that's why people have beliefs. That was one of the points I think yeah, I made. But, I mean... Like, that's the only reason have people have beliefs. It's for the tough times. No one needs a god when things are going well. Hmm. Man, the whole concept of it is because things don't go well and because life isn't going to end well. End well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, death, sure. Yeah, yeah, but there's a lot of bad deaths. You come to terms with it. But um, from from a from an individual, you do believe in an afterlife, right? Yeah. And what is your conception of an afterlife? Do you uh, maintain your sentience, your self awareness? Yeah. You do. Yeah, yeah. Do you maintain your not physical form, but a corporeal, you know, facsimile of your form? <laughs> well, the Bible will talk about when you died, the spirit goes up initially, and then on the day of judgment, when the earth is destroyed. There's the. Uh, I'll just wait till you come back. No, no, just come on. I'm, like, I'm not going to be talking. You're telling me you're. Yeah, I suppose. Um, the day that the judgment comes, we'll be reunited, reunited with our bodies in a, in a with a new body. Oh. Yeah, but I assume it would be the body that you, you'd recognize now because you're expected to recognize people in heaven. So. Now, would the idea be that you would be living out? human life of sorts just an exceptionally good one a new heaven and a new earth like would it be because the way that a lot of people tend to think about heaven is that it's an extension of earth it's an extension of their ideas about earth and then they just exaggerate certain elements of it yeah I I think that's not a bad conceptualization of it you know like you you get to you're living with all your loved ones all the things that you love to do well whoever gets into heaven if you have a deep affection for someone that is a sinner, does that perhaps taint your no. moral... Uh, not at all. No? No, so, no? no? Not at all. No, no, no. Okay. No. What if you give... Uh, not... You're, you're not necessarily approving of what they do, but you're not exercising your responsibility to sort of spread. Do you view that as a responsibility? To view to, to spread your um, you see this is where this is how you get things like pray away the gay you yeah. get these people who just think evangelism is about smashing bibles off people's heads every 24 seconds every 24 hours of the day so no I think that's fundamentally the incorrect way to do it mm-hmm. so long as people around you are aware of what you believe that's about as much responsibility as you can take and if the opportunity arises for you to be able to posit the alternative question yeah. to yeah to give the alternative option on a situation they may be in line with whatever you do believe that's about as far as I can see responsibility going now there's people who felt, feel called to evangelize and feel called to do missionary work and to become a, 
a priest or a minister or whatever and absolutely power to them like it's a low it's a tough job and yeah hey we wouldn't have opioid dens in western world if it wasn't for christian missionaries so yup the christian missionaries yeah. Know, yeah. they did something and um so yeah the whole concept of, of how often you evangelize and and the responsibility i think it varies from person to person if you have a real shy person you can't expect someone who's really shy to talk up about their faith all the time sure uh, just to get back to the point um, so I was questioning you about your belief in an afterlife because mm. it seems very much to be just an extension of, of your life mm. uh, as it is now which could be viewed as an immortality mm-hmm. of sorts right yeah because I know some people will view it as uh, more my essence you know my life essence gets mm. uh, reabsorbed into the into the cosmic Cosmos. ether as it were yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I don't like that idea at all if mm. I was if I sorry if I am um, believed in God, I would very much ascribe to your idea of an afterlife because that's the most comforting one. Mm. The idea that I, you know, my life essence. Who gives a fuck about my life essence? Yeah. My my life is my life essence isn't who I am. Mm. It's the same th- problem I have with um reincarnation. What fucking difference does it make if I'm actually my life essence is somehow being uh, reinstated every time I die in something else? It's gonna have its own life. It's yeah. gonna have its own. It doesn't matter anything to you. If, you, if you don't remember the life, I'm that came still gonna be you. gone. Yeah, I'm still gonna be dead. Yeah, as yeah, far yeah. as uh, as far as it actually matters. Uh, so basically, the, what I wanted to get to is that. So, do you fear mortality? No. 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 Not at all. No. Even in a more immediate sense, I'm gonna kill you. Tim. I've I've been. <laughs> That's in, what I'm getting to. I'm gonna I've, murder you, Tim. I've been in a lot of those scenarios already. Like, well, I'm gonna die. Yeah. 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 Two like, two car crashes yeah, like and sweet <laughs> and like you be in you be in weird points where you've real moments of of that terror that initial you feel it in your guts rising through you that I'm outnumbered here this is a bad situation mm-hmm. but I have no fear of death I feel of a wheelchair a what a wheelchair oh sure yeah yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. That's, uh, my, that's my my only real genuine fear is quadriplegic yeah being uh, quadriplegic even being par- I, I think and it's, this is real uh, selfish and egotistical to say but I feel I'd be one of the good paraplegics how do, how do you no, mean no kind of paraplegic like I, I like <laughs> oh, like this is so ignorant no no I, the... I retract that it was again it was like half joke half serious <laughs> like You'd be one of the inspiring ones. Yeah, yeah, you'd love to think you'd that be that one of the ones that, one like, those, like, you see them and they're like, uh, doing pull ups with a wheelchair be... and they're jacked and they're. Isn't paraplegic below the neck? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know what it is for just your legs. Quadriplegic, I think. No, quadriplegic is your four four limbs, quad. Oh. I don't know what it is for just your legs. Just paralyzed, I suppose. Paralyzed. Uh, yeah, but like uh, someone who's uh, uh, quadriplegic and they're like, I'm going to be the world's greatest swimmer. And then they just get tossed into the fucking Olympic pool out of their wheelchair. And then they go fucking bombing down the end. Uh, yeah, you'd be one of those. Yeah. One of those that people that like are fully bodily able to look at that and be like, wow, they can do what I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'd love to imagine. Yeah, but no. But that's not... No, I don't have the strength for that. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing to see these people. I remember seeing this TED Talk of this girl that had like fibromyalgia, I think. Uh, and I don't know maybe I'm thinking of the wrong thing it's, it, her her lungs were filling up with fluid constantly um, is that fibromyalgia? Uh, cystic fibrosis cystic fibrosis that's the one and uh, she had been given like a, like a death sentence at a certain age and she was just 
giving her a TED talk and being like, yeah. Still here. You know, still here, one. And two, giving this like inspiring speech about how, you know, oh, I found meaning in my life and all this kind of stuff. And you look at it and you'd be like, my God. I would not have the strength of will to do that. Mm. I would give up. I would shut down. Because when I was like really fucking depressed, one of the biggest things that centered around and one of the things that made it so bad was this idea of permanence. Mm. You know, I would feel like shit and I'd go like, fucking hell, is this what I'm going to feel like for the rest of my life? Mm. And that is what would scare the shit out of me the most. I think people can put up with almost anything if they have an end date. If they know it's temporary. If I could be told that I was going to be in absolute hell for five years, but then after that I'd be fine. I mean, obviously it would suck. Mm. I would be suffering, but it wouldn't be as bad. Mm. Whereas if you are in pain and you have no reason to believe that you will ever not be in pain, how do you find hope in that? Mm. How do you find something to live for? And I've seen very sad cases like that. I know how many people know. Being blind too, that's another one. Oh yeah, being blind is, yeah, any, lose, any of the senses, man. I could lose any other sense. I'd be fine. I could lose my hearing. Yeah, I yeah. could lose my sense of smell. Yeah. Sense of smell, come on. Yeah, you get over the sense of yeah, smell. You're not right. gonna kill yourself for it. Like last, yeah. uh, oh, I missed the smell of bread, come on. <laughs> yeah, popping a fucking gun in your mouth. But there's one girl, sight. One girl I know, like, and she just she collapsed one day at school, fell down the stairs, Whoops. and they weren't sure what was wrong. And it turns out she is, and I, I'm not even able to give the full analysis of it because I don't know the ins and outs of the science. But some sort of a degenerative spine condition, and it's, her life is over just like that. Yeah. And she's got this. She, I don't know if it's still there, but she had this open wound in the back of her skull that just wouldn't heal. And, all her spine had to be fused. She's in constant pain. High, high, high painkillers. Seriously, seriously sedated and nothing touches on her. Like, yeah. Goes to like these uh, pain management counseling sessions and all this kind of crack and she's wheelchair bound forever. She's a very talented musician and just literally just one day, just that's it. Man. Yeah. The flipping suffering that they've gone through is absolutely unreal. I mean, yeah, I definitely could that would be like generally if I if I were at the point where I am paralyzed, paralyzed or blind, mm. yeah, that that'd be it. That'd be the end of me. But then you see, this is the thing: is what gets those people true? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they you know obviously I do know they find their own mm. uh, sort of uh, meaning and they find the things that they value and they find things that they can still do and things that they can pour their energy into mm. and that for them is enough that would be enough for me as mm. uh, well enfeeblement I don't I don't fear death so much as I fear enfeeblement yeah uh, you know if I can live a good long life you know I would rather live 60 years and still be still be able to move around and not be in constant pain every time I take mm-hmm. a fucking step and have my mind mm. as opposed to live to 80 your camera's and, just died there now oh okay so um, I'll just finish the well. point as opposed to yeah. live to 80 and uh, be you know be, be more or less bed bound yeah like I, I will take 20 years away just to be you know yeah able bodied yeah. absolutely give me two seconds now right but yeah sleep I think is I, here's what I'd say about it I think I'm past the point of active suffering and I'm at the point of recovery yeah. right yeah. and as far as psychologically is concerned I've more or less got that shit under control it's just a lot of the physiological stuff that I've 
my body took a fucking battering Absolutely over did. these last two years, you know? Yeah. Uh, with on high doses of medication that I should never have been on in the first place to the Do you, you think know, they gave you wrong medication? Like no, shit that was too no, strong? No. I, I mean I think I was on too high doses. Um, but I don't think they were doing me any good and I think they were sort of belaying the progress that I could have been making by putting but the they were annoying you. Yes. The way that I look at antidepressants, it's like putting a bandage on a on a fucking bullet wound, you know. Mm. They're they're painkillers. That's what they are. Yeah. And uh, they weren't getting me to the point where what they're meant to do, what antidepressants are meant to do, right? Mm. They're not meant to cure you of your depression. They're meant to. They're not happy pills, you know. They get you to the point where you should be able to take care of your own problems. That's what a lot of people don't understand when they go take you know, the crutch. Yeah. This yeah. is why if anyone was to ask me, should I go on antidepressants? I would say no. Mm. Unless, unless you can acknowledge that they're to get you to a point where you can put your life in order so that you can now step off them and you'll be okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and for some people, that is what they have been, and that's that's great. Yeah. Uh, for me, I found they weren't getting me to that point, yeah. and they were actually preventing me from getting to that point because I was using them as a crutch, one, and two, because they were making me so fucking numb. That I, was, I was incapable of, of actually making any productive action towards recovery, mm-hmm. right? I only just came off quetiapine there like two months ago, mm. uh, uh, three months ago now, probably more or less. Uh, some halfway through December. I think you, yeah, ago. I think you told me just after you finished it. But I thought I had a face-to-face conversation with you a while ago, and you told me you were operating. I was on two things. I was serotonin or sertraline rather, and I was on quetiapine. SSRI is it? Yeah, uh, so yeah, serotonin was an SSRI. Um, quetiapine was an antipsychotic, apparently. Okay. The terminology doesn't actually mean in the medical community what it means in the sort of colloquial terms. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Uh, but I just came off quetiapine there a couple of months ago, uh, and the the SSRI came off like six months ago. Mm-hmm. And I can honestly say, like, I don't think I actually started to genuinely improve until, until came I came off them. Mm-hmm. Until I came off them, I started making actual fucking. Uh, you know steps towards it yeah because yeah. i was still even after like that was like almost a year and a half into it right i feel like shit almost mm. every fucking day and i just got to the point where i was like okay one of two things are gonna happen either one this is permanent and at that point i what what's fucking stopping me from trying mm-hmm. or it isn't and then that just means all i gotta do is just find what works and then just wait yeah and be patient and that's what the antidepressants can do is they can boom they provide you with that breathing space. If they can get you to that point, absolutely. Mm-hmm. They didn't get me to that point, and I found things that the things that have are just healthy living in general. You know, work, yeah. uh, exercising. The big three: well. sleep, diet, yeah, exercise. And I mean, again, yeah, <clears throat> diet and exercises. Those I could control. Sleep, I couldn't. Mm. I'm still struggling with that a little bit. Yeah, but it's coming back. It's coming back slowly but surely. Did you have sleep before your episode? Uh. Y- Yes. Because I don't remember you fucking sleeping well before. No, I didn't sleep very well, but the problem is that before the episode, honestly, like, a lot of people with depression should really look back and accept a certain level of responsibility, right? A lot of people try to frame their depression in this narrative of, oh, it's so unfair, why did this happen to me, you know, oh, why why is it, why won't it stop, you know, all this kind of stuff. And if you start, if you keep framing it like that, you're never going to recover. Well, that's the victim mentality, that's the problem with victimhood. Hmm. is that you, you absorb yourself like, any ability to then step out of it yeah absolutely and for me anyways it was 100% my fault yeah 100% and sleep was a big thing that I was neglecting mm. in my life because not because I couldn't sleep because I didn't sleep mm. you know I would like stay up until late into the night just fucking up watching YouTube and fucking mm. playing games and stupid bullshit like that you know childish behaviour yeah yeah 
because I was like, oh, no, I'm supervising, I can, I can stay awake. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so that that fucked me sleep wise. Mm. And then I found like little things as well. Like honestly, man, when I noticed, you know, you know, I, I when I first had it, like I looked and I was like, oh my god, the weed drove me mad. You know, mm. I have a drug induced psychosis mm-hmm. and I have OCD and all this kind of bullshit. What had happened is that I noticed now uh, that before that I was actually having panic attacks before that. You just never recognized. I it. never recognized it as a panic attack. What did you recognize it as? Intense suicidal intonation. It would happen every now and then, where it, at, at night I would get these moments of like, you know, my heart would seize up and my stomach would sink, and I'd be like, uh, you know, I'd be like fucking Fuck, freaking out. And the idea of suicide would be what would occur to me, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that would be what was floating around in my head. So I was like, oh, suicide, suicide, suicide. And so I took this as an idea of like, oh my god, I want to kill myself. And if I get up and I go to the kitchen, I'm going to get a knife. I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. Mm. It was just that. It was just. It was just anxiety. It was anxiety brought on by poor living. Mm. Uh, and the the. the but you also have to remember, though, you were you, like there may be some trauma from your childhood that you're not ad- that you didn't consciously address. Oh. Like you are from a separated house, and whether whether you feel that or not, that shit does have an they impact. They separated in the past like two years. Doesn't matter. Like it's it, oh sorry, what did you say there? They separated in the past two years. They were together until up until then. Were you in the middle of your episode then when they separated? No, no, no. It was near it. Before? Just before? I, yeah. That's not just before. Literally like precisely uh, my point. A couple of months before. Yeah. Now, for full disclosure, the mic and the camera are rolling, but I will fucking delete all this. Don't oh, worry. Okay. It, it will be gone. Um, here's another little thing that... Um, no, you can use this. I don't care. Um, people, people might look at this, and a lot of people try to look at this kind of thing, like, oh, he's talking about it. Oh, it's very brave. For some people, sure. For me, it's not bravery because I genuinely don't care. Mm. You know, I think, and I think for a lot of people that have genuinely suffered from depression, they get to the point where it's <laughs> nothing matters. The either. idea of people, no, not that nothing matters. No, That's, I wasn't going to say nothing matters. That the, the, go on anyway. You, yeah, you finish your point. It's <clears throat> it's like the idea that oh, people are going to judge because I'm depressed. If you're genuinely depressed, you don't give a hot shit about That's, that anymore. That's what I was trying to say. The you get to that point of, where people's uh, opinions don't matter. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, and for a while there, uh, it was like on a negative mm. sense because I, I was like, oh, people's the idea that you shouldn't care what other people think is great advice for a fucking psychopath. <laughs> you should absolutely care what people think, mm. but you should just mediate it. You know, mm. you curate the amount of value and uh, credence that you give to other people's opinions. You know, mm. like I care what you think, Tim, mm. because you're a friend and you're someone whose opinion I respect. I don't give a hot shit who. You know, uh, Larry off yeah, the yeah, some random guy off the street. Says your t-shirt stinks. Yeah, I don't give a fuck about that guy. Like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, I don't care yeah. because I don't place any value in his opinion. Yeah. Because why would I? You know. Mm. Uh, oh. No, 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 no. We, we're still there. I can keep going at this point, but I want to get back to the point that I was initially trying to make, which is accepting uh, responsibility for your own depression, right? Yes. And uh, I notice now that a lot of the things I was doing were okay one the negative uh, psychological elements were something that I didn't tackle and if anything I actively cultivated because back then I used to fetishize sadness as you know yeah. I had this idea everyone that, does that though I think it, I when think you ask me about media teenage. that makes you emotional when I said music like I will actively sit down with a thing and listen to sad music and while I won't come to tears there's a certain part of me that does 
allow itself to feel the emotion mm. and its raw effect and it, it there is actually something therapeutic about it that is i'll finish that. off and i'll go to bed and the next day i'll feel refreshed yeah. so you know that that isn't the kind of fetishization of someone and this is something i do actually want you to conclude because i think it's something that's very important a lot of people to hear uh i hate that i said that that's such an awful way to set up something you're going to say it's so important everyone should hear it it's it's vital for your, for yeah, your well-being man, that's just being normal I'm above that. Ah! I'm better than normal. Uh, it's that. Oh, fucking damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, shit. Uh, hang on. Oh, yeah. Is that I was fetishizing the status of sadness because I inferred and I made a, a, an association between. Depression and intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. Depression, intelligence, and artistry, for example. And I'm not wrong in making those associations in so much as those associations are incorrect. What I mean by that is that those associations are things that have been made in popular culture for years now. Association so, of sadness and intelligence? Yes. Some of the biggest ones have come out recently being Bojack Horseman mm. and Rick and Morty. Mm. Okay. And that these mega intelligent people are profoundly depressed. Absolutely. And that I was fetishizing the status of depression more so than the actual depression. Oh. And I was getting to this idea of being like, oh, if people will think I'm depressed and will think I'm, I'm, I'm you know, nuanced and deep and intelligent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it didn't help that I was hanging out with people that did think this. Yeah. Um, I think I told you a story. So they kind of, they, they played into it a bit more. They played into it because they were exactly the audience that I envisioned falling for this bullshit. Mm -hmm. And even though, even at the time, I was like, this is bullshit. It didn't stop me from doing it. Mm. I still did it. And there was still a visceral part of me that enjoyed it, that mm. enjoyed the idea of people going like, oh, he's so deep. Mm. Oh, he's so philosophically mature. You know, all that kind of bullshit. Mm. Because I was talking about how depressed I was. Bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute bollocks. There is no artistry, there is no nobility in depression. Okay? Mm. There just isn't. And... I had this, this story there I think I told you about it, where like uh, one of these friends that I've since I, I haven't fallen out with him because you know it's distanced not, it's not even that it's not so dramatic as that you know it's just someone that I don't I don't really want to hang out with this person anymore I don't consider them a, 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 an active friend mm. if you know what I mean I'm still friendly with them and they're part of like a like a group of other friends but he's part of the D&D game that I have okay. he's, he's one of the members uh, the members of that but um, I, I don't particularly want to hang out with him anymore because he reminds me so fucking much of the person that I was then yeah and particularly this was compounded by the fact that uh, at one point we were talking about it and uh, I was talking about you know I, I don't know I'd say something about like yeah you know, well, you know whatever it's hard and he made the point he was like well you know depression can be used uh, as like a conduit for art mm. and I was like hmm <laughs> yeah that is exactly the kind of bullshit I was thinking before I actually you was depressed. I, that's the kind of bullshit I think, and that's the kind of bullshit only people think never when they depression. think they're depressed. Yeah. And then you actually become... No. People who are depressed think that. People who have depression realize that's bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And they realize there's there's no value to be found in it at all. Yeah. Okay? The only value to be found in it is in getting over it. Yes. Coming through the trials and being yeah. able to then use them as a, mm. as a power stance. But yeah, accepting responsibility. Oh no, and, and uh, another little thing that I noticed as well is talking about it isn't brave if I don't care about it. 
for some people it is brave because they really don't want to talk about it they really freeze up and they, they dislike this idea of disclosing it but because partly because I had cultivated this idea of I'm going to talk about my depression and people are going to love me for it uh, I've gone over that sort of stigma of talking about mental health yeah. and by now I'm not you know aggrandizing it and yeah. sort of looking for you know like oh you're so brave kind of bullshit or you're so smart or whatever uh, and as well the idea that that whenever you tell people or whenever in a larger scale you find these people that are like oh we suffer from depression or whatever whatever one of these uh, uh, go-to phrases of comfort is I suffered from depression too you're not alone as if that's meant to comfort me that makes me feel worse for one the idea that anyone is in as much pain as I am that sucks yeah I don't want anyone to have to go through this if I if I could be assured that I was the only person in the world with depression that would make me feel better mm. than the idea that oh I'm not alone I wish I was alone because it doesn't help me that but that wishing you were alone is part of the psychology that fetishize the sadness in the first place no 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 I'm it is though it sounds like, like it this whole concept of I'm the only one who feels this profound level of sadness okay. I'm unique in myself. That, that is fair that, that could be uh, that, that is a legitimate uh, thing to extrapolate from it yeah. uh, the point that I'm trying to make is more so that having being able to commiserate with someone about your pain doesn't lessen your pain the idea that someone was like I'm depressed too so it's okay we'll get through this together I'm like whenever I heard that I was like what the fuck do you know you're still depressed mm. what can well, you fucking tell me the about the people depression? who kind of say that again it's 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 a nice little phrase for people oh. who don't have the words to for branch it up because like what 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 the, the real impact behind that statement is that it's meant to be an act of solidarity like yeah. if your father died and someone else's father's died comes and says yeah no, yeah, bro, I got you. Don't get me wrong. I get it. I get that it can be comforting to know that you're not insane. Yes. You know? Yeah. I know that's a big fear. When I, when I first started feeling it, I was like, oh my God, this is unlike anything I've ever felt before. I had no frame of reference for it. That's why I genuinely thought I was going insane. Yeah. You know? And uh, to a certain extent, hearing people describe situations and circumstances that you had found yourself and sensations that you had had yeah. uh, in such an accurate way made you go like, oh... I'm not insane. I'm just uh, depressed or whatever. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, I'm uh, the same thing as being like, uh, it's not brave to talk about it. I'm saying for me, it's not brave to talk about it because I don't care about it. And for me, I found no comfort in the idea that other people were also suffering. Yeah. Or that uh, you know somehow this made us better. What I did find a lot of comfort in uh, were these uh, accounts of people who had gone through it. That's what I love to hear. That's what. That's kind of what that phrase is trying to get to is the fact that. We can get through this. Not, we have gotten through this. It's coming from people that are currently depressed. It depends on the way you phrase not it. Alone, though. you know, like I'm there too. I'm in the same. Yeah, but like it could, it could be like, you'll survive. It's okay. You're not alone. In other words, I've come through it. I'm all right. I'm still alive. If they're saying it, being like I've come through yeah. it, then that's great. That that is the kind of shit I love to hear. I love to hear that from people because, again, as as I said there earlier, it's that little bit of faith. Uh, it's permanence. Permanence is what was the worst part. Yeah. Right. If I could just be assured by someone like, hey, just so you know, two years and then you're good. I would have been like, mm. that's a fucking weight off my shoulders, you know. Mm. Uh, but and that that's actually part of things. Have you ever heard of the death race? It's like a crazy marathon, for want of a better term. Part of it is that they, uh, they won't tell you when the race is going to end. They don't tell you the finish line. And they'll, they'll come up to you midway 
with a boss and be like, you can get on this bus now and you can leave this race, you don't have to go through this. And it's a massive psychologically challenging race that he goes out of his way. That I can't remember the name of your man who created it, but he goes out of his way to throw as many psychological obstacles as well what as is, physical. What, what is the actual... It's a marathon for... It's an ultra marathon. It's a really long marathon. Yeah, 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 yeah. But real tough, like, and real bad, hard, I'd tough like to do conditions. A marathon at some point. Marathon, yeah. But this how, this, how this well stuff is next level. Like. Yeah, no, I don't know about that. And... But part of the, the mental torture is not telling people when they're going to yeah. finish. Yeah, that, that is, like... For me, that was the biggest yeah. part, you know? Because whenever I feel pain, it would never be the pain in the moment. It would be the idea that this pain isn't going away. Yeah. You know? Uh, and that your life is essentially over. I want to bring it back now to earlier on as well, if that's right with yourself. Let's do it. Um, so, we've got about three and a half minutes of content on, on why I brought you here. <laughs> so let's... <laughs> Let's try and see if we can add at oh, least yes, another minute to that. Uh, yeah, yeah, five icons. So, you, so Paul is obviously a devout Catholic apologist, and I'm obviously a, a Christian, mm-hmm. and so the audience don't get a lot of contradicting points. So I was hoping to bring you on as a, as a big, well, this is why this is bollocks, and boom, 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 so that the atheists of the world can go, yes, Tim's getting his comeuppance. But that didn't happen. While we good for these kind of episodes is if we had comments, we had YouTube comments being like, yeah, but what about this? And that way we can literally yeah, go, that's a good one to hammer on and we can we can actually work that I, one I, out. I, you put them together one side of the argument and me putting them together the I other. The problem is, is because we've had this argument so many times we have, yeah, that yeah, we've yeah. kind of worked through a lot of these more obscure and potentially more interesting questions. Mm. And the problem with these that they're not occurring to us because we've reached a sort of finality in it mm. where we've been like, oh yeah, that's our point, that's your mm. point we've released a satisfying conclusion like this the like the fact that I didn't even say half of what I would believe or what the other opinions yeah. I have because it it feels like a broken record for me and it feels like oh she knows I know this exactly and so I don't bother and the problem is that it's obviously it's a, it's a different form of, you yeah know, so I could repeat like if we creating. repeated an entire ramen conversation people could be like wow but we could be bored to tears going through it again being the same things yeah I think that would be good I think maybe what we should have done is uh, prepare just a little something. Yeah, this whole concept of preparation is something I may need to deal with because I, I I've had a guest who, who really pushed for, for preparation yeah. and I fought him on it. I was like, man, back off on this, all right? This is my gig here. This is what I do. Yeah. I think the problem is that you think authenticity is somehow negated by preparation. Yeah, yeah, I do. And that seems... Well, you see, but then you see, for me, authenticity also then is a flexible enough term that I can say... In an authentic manner, here is an episode we prepared, yeah. and they become a special segment. I mean, rather than, but you see, then it's something you need to address prior to it. Is this one you prepared, or is it not? Well, you got to remember as well that you are making this for the consumption of others. Mm. There's think about this. There's the reason why when you watch a movie, people don't talk like they talk in real life because that would be fucking agonizing. Mm. To listen to mm. them going um and ah uh, going on tangents and going all this kind of bullshit there's a reason where when dialogue isn't written in a realistic way mm. and the ones that do do it are awful mm. there's only one person that's been able to do it that i, I can't remember the name but i can't remember the movie it was the um the karowski method uh and uh, the way that he that he used realistic dialogue was that he would have characters talk over each other and he would have this talking over be representative of sort of interpersonal conflict and stuff and you know so that worked mm-hmm but characters or, or uh, scriptwriters that try to incorporate realistic dialogue by just manufacturing these pauses and going oh, um, uh, it's boring to listen to. Mm. You don't want to listen to that shit. 
You don't want to listen to the build up to the point. You want to hear the point. The build up to the point is perfectly acceptable in the conversation between people that are having the conversation because its view is just that that's the part that you have to go through to get mm. to the point. But for someone who's giving up their time, their free time to actually consume this piece of media as opposed to any other piece of media they could be consuming, you have to provide them with the with the with the actual reward. You know? So this could be something that I would like to do, which is what what do you what do you prepare? You know, you know, instead of a discussion, it should be a debate. And this is what I'm running through in the back of my head was that again, YouTube comments is a yeah. great way of finding the inspiration for what to talk about. Now, obviously, you can make up your own questions, and you have direct episodes relating to this where you have researched one side of it, I have researched the other one, and we go head to head on something, and that would be very fun because that was part of buzz with Ramen. We got so worked up the first couple of times we've had these conversations. It was. No man, no. Think about this, this, and this. Ah, oh, come on, man. Don't be saying that. And it was, it was brilliant. And that has just I, been. I, I think it's because yeah, because I mean, if we were to say discuss something else, uh, of of a similar nature, mm. like um, uh, just narrative, say media, for example. Mm. You know, media isn't a, isn't a topic that we've sort of mined, but I mean, religion. Of the two and a half years that I've known you, a lot of the mm. times our conversations will go into religion yeah so that's that's a topic that we have mined so thoroughly yeah. that it's hard to conjure up any sort of authentic <laughs> yeah. and again to provide any sort of thing that's genuinely entertaining yeah when we don't have that energy uh, energy and enthusiasm to go into it because it's hard to know what's what's new for someone else you know for what's things that should be covered for someone else when we've already we've already had it all we've had the full range of conversations on theism mm. you know uh, I mean an interesting one that we've had before a couple of times is individuals that don't have the ability or the opportunity to become aware about God mm. you know of what uh, how responsible are they for for uh, for having faith mm. again what would be the point of having because it would just be reiterating points that we've already made and I think it, that would be felt in the delivery and that would be it felt would, yeah. in the consumption of it so, I think we, we put together I think a debate format because don't be wrong yeah I, still, I would like to run debates I, I still do enjoy the topic the topic is still something that interests me yeah and I think if I had time to sort of think out the, the thing and, and really uh, uh, cover every aspect of it you know to have yeah. not, I, I wouldn't need to write out the full answer but just have little bullet points yeah you know, cover this cover this cover this cover this and then once I've covered all that then my answer will be done yeah and then you know go on to the other thing yeah, it's definitely something I'm building on and working towards in the future. I think for today we, we've got some nice content. We've broken the ice on this new format and sure. experiment with stuff. And that's what, crucially, what today was about was, was experiment. So I appreciate you coming on and giving me the afternoon to to use you as a dummy. I don't fucking know what else going on. As a prototype. COVID. I'm on COVID payments now, actually. Good. Yeah, yeah, I Good. got it um, because I was, you know, I was in no Dom's No wonder I made in. you pay for dinner. Yeah. It's it's weird how I didn't value it as much. Like if if I had uh, if that was money I'd gotten from Duns, I would have been like, oh man, I'm wasting so much money. But because it's money that I've been getting for doing fuck all, I'm like, Phew. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I'm gonna get some more next week. What do I give a fuck? <laughs> yeah, give me give me that one euro lime. <laughs> Fucking one euro for a lime. <laughs> Four and fifty cents in Tesco. Uh, box. Madness. Oh, man, thank you very much for coming on, bro. Don't touch me. Give me one of them. Don't do it. Don't do it. All right, all right, I'll give you a little bit. There we go. Let's have dinner.